raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Good Friday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. Uh, I don't know if you guys encounter this on the right end. Obviously, the weather this week has been absolutely spectacular, and it does look like today will be that as well. But I, um, I had a few sprinkles on the drive down. It was frustrating. My favorite word, frustrating. Just enough to mess up your windshield, not enough to use your wipers. Right? I, I After like 20 seconds, I'm like, gosh, I've got to use the wipers. Really? I was on the highway. I had to use the wipers. Yeah. I, I was like, where is this coming from? Because, you know, again, you look outside right now and um, maybe not as normal rainbow that we've seen above Riley Towers, but still supposed to be a really nice day. And Jake, is the weather, well, maybe not on Sunday. The weather in Long Beach is probably going to be better than it's going to be here. But tomorrow might look like California weather here and where you are. Uh, my understanding is Long Beach, it was kind of cool this week, but it is always Long Beach, California, which is, of course, the IndyCar race this weekend. The weather is like it has been this week here in Indiana, 362 days a year. I mean, it's unbelievable. I It is my favorite place to go. I love everything about it. I love going into LA on Saturday night and going to dinner at El Coyote. I love everything about it, except for the red eye back. So I don't love everything about it, but... You guys will love Monday, right? I can't wait. <laughs> I, so la- I feel like last year we had a little delay on the red eye, and I don't think Mark and I were too upset about that. I think that's right. There was one of them that, remember, I... Like a 7.30 arrival, maybe? I think mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. My apologies on that. So it Long Beach for Jake, race number three of the IndyCar season. They'll have one more to close out the month before the month of May gets here. Road course and the Indianapolis 500, of course. Uh, in the month of May. Is June pretty packed for you guys? Because I, I feel like right after the 500 is when it kind of ramps up. Um, yeah, actually, so right after the 500 to, to, to excuse me, Belle Isle, right? Uh, then I think Road America shortly after that. I always forget, but yeah, it's like every other weekend, right? If not, maybe a couple in a row. Uh, Greg Rakeshaw going to join us at 8 o'clock today. Every Friday we chat with Rake, 9 o'clock uh, is it 9 for Scott Agnes, Mark? Or is it 8.30? 8.30. 8.30 for Scott Agnes. Um, haven't had really any Pacers-centric um, recap of the season coming to a close. <clears throat> and then I would say the talk of sports right now, which you know, typically on April 14th, I don't think this sport is the one that dominates the headlines. But how about what the Tampa Bay Rays continue to do? I mean... They had to rally yesterday, right? They're now 13-0. That ties. I, th- I find it fascinating that the Tampa Bay Rays have tied now three franchises total with a 13-0 start in the modern era, and none of the other two won the World Series. I guess the Brewers went to the World Series. Who's the other one? I'm trying to think of who the other is one is. The Braves, maybe? That 87 and 82. Um, so if the Tampa Bay Rays win tonight, they are in Toronto they will be the first team to start a season 14 and 0 since 1884. 1884. Let's let's guess what franchise that was. Do you have the list? Do you know? Yes, I do. Okay, I will go with the boy 1884. I'll go with the and we might have said this the other day. We we did. 
Boston Braves. Mark? Whatever Providence was. Wasn't there a Providence franchise? This team became the Indianapolis Hoosiers for three years from 1887 to 1889. The Indianapolis Hoosiers um, had a lot of success hitting the transfer portal back then. Uh, the St. Louis You should have seen the Maroons. websites when they got a couple of those free agents from the Maroons. That's right, Maroons. The St. Louis Hi, Maroon. Maroons. So Trisha Whitaker, uh, Bally Sports for the Rays. She is going to join us coming up at 940. And I kind of feel bad for Trisha because she's not even going to be in Toronto. Well, I, I guess a little bit feel bad. It's more of a credit to Trisha. I believe this is her second year that she does the Apple TV Friday night MLB game. Um, so she is actually in Detroit tonight, which part of me is like, why in the world are the Detroit Tigers at the Apple TV game of the week? Uh, but Giants and Tigers tonight. So if the Rays do get to 14-0 here on April 14th, Trisha, unfortunately, will not be there. But just in an absolutely hell of a story. Because uh, I don't even think, you know, we. I know we naturally look at the Rays as like plucky underdog, uh, but I don't think anyone thought entering this season that <laughs> they would be off to this start, certainly, or, you know, maybe even the favorite to win the AL East. By the way, Scott Johnston points out, I had it backwards. I thought it was the 82 Brewers, because they did go to the World Series. It was the 82 Braves who lost in the NLCS to St. Louis, and... And then the 87 Brewers. 87 Brewers did not make the playoffs. That 87 team, not that I'm resentful at all about Major League Baseball with this, but that 87 baseball season was when the Sports Illustrated Baseball issue decided to put the Joe Carter and Corey Snyder of the Cleveland Indians on the front of their baseball issue instead of Indiana's national championship win in basketball. I'm not resentful at all. Um, (laughs) How about Kevin... Little change potentially, or looks like, is going to happen now in the NFL, right? With the Washington Commanders? Yeah. Are they having a uh, parade today in the nation's capital for Josh Harris purchasing the team? Now, I don't know much about Josh Harris. Can you? Uh, I mean, it was $6 billion, right? Devils, and I forgot the New Jersey Devils were in even in existence um, personally until um, yesterday. But owner of the Devils and 76ers, is that correct? That, that may be right. I I mean, I usually when that and something of that monetary value, I can't be alone in this. Usually it's somebody, that, it seems like there's like 10 different business guys that you know of. Yeah, there is a group you know that I, I mean? should say right. led by Josh Harris. Uh, but yeah, he obviously has history in other leagues. So you won't get a outright kind of new owner to professional sports. You know, I am... One thing I am curious to see is how quickly does this go through? Because if you look at the NFL recently, you've seen two different ownership groups enter the picture. Um, David Tepper in Carolina, which now is about several years into it. Uh, But then you saw last year in Denver a change in ownership. I don't think by coincidence in both of those places you have seen very aggressive moves here recently at the quarterback position and the thought that I have with Josh Harris in Washington is would they try and make a final hour push for Lamar Jackson for me the thing about the Washington sale quite frankly and I can only imagine what it's like 
to be a diehard fan of that franchise. Several years ago, I mean several years ago, I, 20 years ago plus, I, I happened to be in the D.C. area. I can't even remember for what, but I was flying back on a Sunday and I got on the, the metro and, and there were a bunch of people, the then Redskins had a game that day. And so there were people on the metro going to the game. And that is a proud historic franchise. And one that, you know, in the Theismann era of the Hogs and John Riggins and Dexter Manley, and, you know, they've had some great teams, some great eras. And even for me, Kevin, not even a fan per se of the Commanders, but somebody that can respect tradition and heritage and history of franchises, there's a relief to me that, like, it's going to be okay to cheer for the Commanders again. Because there were so many things about Daniel Snyder, not just from an arrogance standpoint, but but seemingly the way that he allowed you know did his business and and allowed some things to take place within his organization. There were so, all the way down to the way that he conducted himself. There were so many things that just made it difficult to consciously root for his franchise, and so. To have that no longer in the NFL, I think, Kevin, people highly involved in the National Football League are relieved by that. Does Jim Mercer get a cut? Yeah, honestly. I guess from either side. You know, from the Snyder side, they're able to sell their franchise for, what, $6 billion? Is that the number that I'm seeing? And if you're Josh Harris, obviously. Um, I'm not going to act like the Jim Mercer words were the you know, smoking gun necessarily, but they certainly, I think, mattered and drew a lot of national attention when a colleague like that says something especially when you have this nfl ownership fraternity so exclusive we cover for everyone here jim mercy certainly did not do that back in october so you think snyder like burns it all down when the check clears i know like, oh, i got some skeletons in the closet i can air out to everybody that's he, he's certainly too. threatened right i yeah. mean he's made some threats about that so I, I have a feeling we have not heard the last from i tend to agree Daniel Snyder. Tonight, a couple play-in games to complete the NBA playoffs. Uh, the first one will be the Bulls in Miami. The winner will get Milwaukee in round one. And then the second game will be the Thunder and the Timberwolves. Rudy Gobert back from Minnesota in that game. That game will be in Minneapolis. The winner gets Denver. I, I've kind of felt this as the week has moved along. It's just a bummer that Again, it's the smart move this season, but it's kind of a bummer that once again here we are, the NBA playoffs and the Pacers aren't in it. Yeah. I mean, this time of year, typically you kind of feel like, you know what I mean? But, and it's kind of a fun NBA playoffs too, right? Of all years. I mean, it's just kind of it's wide a little open. bit more parity driven in the playoffs in both conferences, particularly out west, uh, than it is out east, but you know, I I know I said it earlier in the week it's wild to think of the Oklahoma City Thunder as the perennial tank and the team that's, no, 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 we're going to push that off a little uh, next year maybe, uh, maybe the year after that. And yet here they are, and they have won four playoff games since the Pacers have last won one playoff game, and the Thunder have won a series since the Pacers have last won a series. So this time next year, uh, the goal certainly needs to be the Pacers are playing in an actual playoff series. Not even a play-in. An actual playoff. 
series. Bless you. Yeah, my morning sneezes have begun, so brace yourself. Yeah, my allergies have started to dial back up. I've never really had allergies before, but in the last couple of years, they... So I guess I have them now to an extent. Um, the Did you see the NBA Rookie of the Year balloting? Uh, Boncaro, right? Almost unanimous, but that Salt Lake dude voted for Walker Kessler. And I'm going to sound like an idiot here. I kind of get it. I mean, I guess... Boncaro is the rookie of the year. I mean, obviously. And, you know, you're not supposed to show like a hometown favoritism. I get it. But, you know, is that the writer's way of saying, look, I'm probably the only person that watched this guy every night and he does deserve some credit or a tip of the cap because he had a great year? Is that a fair thing to do or not? Uh, Boy, I would have to look. I know Walker Kessler had a nice rookie season, but that seems to be quite favoritism towards your local ballot, to your local player. It's pretty coincidental for sure. Does right? every I mean, local market get a vote? Like, did Dustin DePirac have a vote here? I I, th- I think so. I, I I would assume so. Let's say that. I think if you're a beat writer for a franchise, you probably do have a vote, right? Or is it you have to be like part of the Writers Association or yeah, whatever? Yeah. Again, we're probably getting a little bit deep into like NBA media here. I don't know how many people really care about this, but I know there are some members of the NBA media that find it just a really murky that. So many contractual uh, decisions really come off of all NBA this and first team that and second team that. And again, it's the media that votes on these awards and these ballots become public. And, you know, if you are Jalen Brown, for example, and if you are a first team all NBA guy or second team All-NBA guy, and that means you qualify for the Supermax or something like that, and your local Boston Celtics beat rider doesn't vote you for the second team, that might create a little bit of animosity between right. you know coverer of the team and one of the star players of the team. Um, I was thinking about this. You look at that West bracket. If I gave you the even teams and the odd teams, what would you take? You mean in terms of their seeding? By the way, Walker Kessler, uh, nine points, nine boards a game. That doesn't jump out at you by any Yeah, stretch. I think it's defense. Down the stretch, was the he was really thing. good. Yeah. I think his ability to block shots, the big thing there. Odd or evens out west? You're talking about in terms of. In terms of the seed, the odds Nuggets, Kings, Clippers, Lakers. Okay, so the evens Memphis, Phoenix, Golden State. Ooh, boy. Golden State and then Minnesota, right? Or or Oklahoma City, whoever wins tonight. Okay. Um, you know, you just go like based on reputation, and you'd say evens, right? Because Memphis has has been deep in the playoffs for a handful of years now. Phoenix obviously has had recent success, and then Golden State. So you look at it, and by reputation, you go Denver, Sacramento, and the Clippers. None of those teams can be that good, right? What about the Lakers? But here they, well, the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, you. I'm telling you, I would not rule out the Lakers. So you go an even or but odd? I there? still would go. I would like to have the Lakers, but I'm going to go on the law of averages. I'm going to go with the evens there. Because I'd like to have Phoenix and Golden State. Even though I know Denver and Sacramento both are outstanding. They've had great years. Denver's had a really good... I mean, Denver's been great. And they've been good for a couple of years now. 
and they have one of the most dynamic players in the league. It was Charlie that reached out to me earlier in the week. I didn't realize this. And, you know, when they've been bad, they've just missed the playoffs. So this is a reason why this is true. Steve Kerr has never lost a Western Conference playoff series. Really? So it would be his seventh playoff appearance as head coach of the Warriors. They've won four titles and lost twice in the finals. That's amazing. That's pretty darn crazy, isn't it? That is. By the way, I want to point this out this morning. Um, and by the way, good morning to you if we didn't say it here on a Friday. I think Kevin said that. But um, about 40 schools, This just I'm just getting this from the Indianapolis Star, but Jeremy had sent me a text on it as well. I saw Rafael Sanchez had covered this this morning. But for those of you that are just waking up, about 40 school districts in Indiana are switching to e-learning after receiving bomb threats, according to a post from Noblesville schools. Noblesville alerted the public via its Twitter account about 30 minutes ago that, quote, we received a bomb threat that was sent to approximately 40 districts in Indiana. Uh, Our friends over at Fox 59 reporting that Lebanon Community School Corporation and Southwestern Consolidated Schools are also practicing e-learning Friday due to threats and Center Grove schools have closed for the day. So That's horrifying. Totally. Uh, Shelbyville schools, I know, are also included. I thought I had originally read that it was like 35 total schools. That may be now 40. Um, and, and I know that there's all, and I'm not trying to be flippant about it at all. You know, like when you were in school, there would be, you know, back in the day, like, oh, so-and-so you know, supposedly called in a bomb threat. I mean, this obviously must be relatively credible. 35 schools, according to Rafael Sanchez, um, closed due to bomb threats. Um, in Shelbyville, they sent a message. Shelbyville Central Schools will be on an e-learning day today. We have been notified that we are one of several districts that received a threat overnight that has not yet been identified. Out of abundance of caution for our buildings, we will be closed today. Students will have one week to complete assignments. We will communicate more information when appropriate. Gosh, yeah, Lebanon, Noblesville here, Center Grove, Southwestern Consolidated Schools. Um, Lapel Community Schools also closed today. So God, it just pisses me off. The um, Yeah, not to get down a rabbit hole, but it's just like... School is supposed to be such a joyous time, particularly this time of year, late in the year. I, I almost totally get this agree. feeling where it's like when the school year ends, I almost have this this relief. Yeah. Nowadays. I, I get it. I mean, I, I totally get it. And again, come from someone that teaching down in Bloomington, my kids go to a school daycare and geez, I wonder if they have daycare today after seeing that. Um, speaking of high school, we will talk with Greg Gregstraw coming up at the 8 o'clock hour. Again, Scott Agnes, 8.30. Trisha Whitaker going to join us at 9.40. 9.40, Mark, for Trisha? Correct, yep. So you said she's in Detroit? Apple TV. Have you been to the new Tiger Stadium? No, I've not. You know, the city of Detroit, Kevin, for as much as, kind of rightly, Detroit gets kicked around for being just a dilapidated city and one that time has kind of passed by. The, the one thing about the state of Michigan in general, which is a fabulous state, great people, beautiful state, a lot to do. I don't know why they don't mow their medians. I, th- I think that would go a long way. Like, there's just like 
it's kind of an odd observation there. It is, is but that it's a, a universal it's, state thing. It's a big state. Have you been to the Traverse City medians? <laughs> I, it, all around the the greater Detroit and all the way across westward towards Lansing, like you pull off the interstate and you're like, who is who is like in charge of this? There's just weeds rapidly growing through the cracks all over the place. It's it's very bizarre. I can't be the only one that's noticed it. But but I digress. The area where the new Tiger Stadium is, which is uh, the Little Caesars at Pizza Pizza, their arena is right there, and the Fox Theater, and they've really done a good job of sprucing that area up, and it really is a cool thing, and the stadium is a cool stadium, um, and it's pretty neat. I, for a city that has, is very proud, and, and rightly so, but also hit, hit on some hard times, they've done a really good job and bolstering that area back up. Is it just one Apple TV game a week? Sorry for being so uninformed about this, because I'm thinking, why in the world would you do Giants-Tigers in the second week of the season? My guess would be, I, I don't know this, but it's kind of like when the NFL Network first started doing the Thursday night game. They they probably contractually have to have everybody do it so many times. Yeah, that, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now... If I were Trish, I'd be I'd be pretty bummed right now. Totally. I mean, you're 13 and 0. They're in Toronto tonight going for the modern day baseball record and, and you got to watch the Tigers play. <laughs> you got to watch the Tigers play. I guess at least it's decent weather in Detroit here, but uh l- looking forward to that conversation with her coming up at 9:40. By the way, one last thing. You mentioned Apple TV. Uh, no spoilers, please. I have not yet because I was going to watch it on the plane. Have you guys? Is there a new Ted yeah, last night? Yeah, we watched mm-hmm. last night. Yes, mm-hmm. in here. Good? Mm-hmm. Well, Zava does this, Zava does that, the, uh, this and that, and Roy this, and Ted this, and. Apparently. You summed there. it up very well. Mm hmm. No spoilers. I, I, I'd say some interesting storylines that continue to develop. Yes, I would say you're correct. Evolve. Mm hmm. It's great. Wednesday nights, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that one? Well, it comes out at night. It comes out earlier here than most. Is it Wednesdays when it comes out? I believe so. Yeah. On that front. Um, I, we're going to have Scott Agnes again on coming up at 830. I am, I believe it's next week when the NBA does some of these um, coin flips uh, to solve kind of the draft order. The Pacers have five picks we know coming up this season or this um this June, four of those five are pending coin flips, so we'll chat with Scott about that. I also found this just absolutely fascinating. So we know the Pacers currently are tied for the seventh uh, spot in the lottery standings. If you look back at the last five drafts, the team that has entered the lottery with the seventh odds have all gotten top four picks. Really? Well, let's see what the Tankathon has them. So that would be Sacramento jumping to four last year. They get Keegan Murray instead of Shaden Sharp, if you just go off of you know where they ended up picking versus their original spot. The Raptors got Scotty Barnes instead of Jonathan Kaminga. The Bulls got Patrick Williams instead of, I think it's Keelian Hayes. And how about this? The Pelicans went from 7 to 1 and got Zion, of course. And the Kings got all the way to the second pick from the seventh spot. That one didn't work out too well with Marvin Bagley. Okay, here we go with the latest 
mock draft tankathon. We're going to do the simulator and see where the Pacers end up. They currently sit eighth with the third pick in the 2023 NBA mock draft tankathon. The Indiana Pacers select Brandon Miller from the University of Alabama, who does fit exactly what exactly what they need. Is that a good omen? Five straight years, the team seventh in the lottery uh, odds. Well, it means it's a skid that's bound to stop, (laughs) right? Now, that seems a little bit of a pessimistic way to look at it, Jake. But you had them listed as what spot? They're currently tied for seventh right now. Yeah, because the the the, Tegathon has them as eight. The coin flip will decide that coming up. Next week, I think it's like a 29% chance at a top I know if they pick. don't win the coin flip, they get Steve Stepanovich. 6.8% at the number. for those of you who one remember. Pick. Brandon tweeted at us earlier this week that he put $100 on the number one pick, right? I think he asked us, is this for the PBR party or Max is 529? <laughs> I said believe. Was that part of the episode last night, Mark? Mm-hmm. Believe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had some references. Here. Listen, you're not getting spoiled that nothing's happening. Jake, that it's sign, a sign, that sign on is in every episode. I mean, come on, you see it every episode. Yeah, nothing happened. I, I don't want to know. Has the rain you, stopped? Yes. You can see the Riley Towers, Kev. Come on. I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Jake Quarry. He's off to Long Beach coming later today. Again, race three of the IndyCar season. Did I see 345, Jake? Green flag. Does that sound right? I think that's right, yeah. 345, Eastern, yeah. green flag, Eastern for the race coming up on Sunday. Mark Dykton as well. Good Friday morning to you. We close out the week here on a nice note. Kevin and Corey, 93.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. We shall begin with the round ball. I guess technically baseball, basketball, both use a round ball. This one of the bigger variation. Bulls and Heat tonight, 7 o'clock. NBA Eastern Conference play-in tournament is what they call it. A couple hours after that, at 9.30 tonight, it is Oklahoma City and the Timberwolves of Minnesota, who I think actually have gone two days now without fighting each other. That game at 9.30, again, winner in each becoming the eighth seed in their respective conferences. Again, underway tonight, 7 o'clock, Bulls and Heat story of Major League Baseball right now and again we'll have Trisha Whitaker on later today to chat about it. It is the Tampa Bay Rays. They are 13-0. and They got there yesterday against the Red Sox and it sounded like this. Pulling very hard on that rope. There's a swing and a high drive into right center field. This should do it to his left. Manuel Margot is there. Would you believe 13-0 and to start the year? The Tampa Bay Rays have swept the Boston Red Sox four in a row and they tie a Major League record by starting the new season 13 wins in a row they win it today nine to three and they head on the road trip incredibly still undefeated jake 11 by the way that was 95.3 wdae down in tampa 11 of those 13 wins by four runs or more and eleven thousand people were there to see it um it did the crowd didn't look massive but i get it I'm quite frankly surprised. Am I the only one? I would like to know. You can send me a tweet and let me know if I'm the only one here. It's incredibly impressive, and it's really... The Rays are a fun franchise, and it is very impressive. But am I the only one that's kind of surprised that the best start in Major League Baseball modern era history is 13 games, 13-0? 
I mean, isn't doesn't it feel like eighteen or twenty would be uh, over all of the years? I mean, since eighteen eighty four, only two teams have ever started thirteen and zero. Just think, it's baseball. I know. No, I totally get when it. When you I look mean, at it, the odds of like a baseball game, every game is a one and a half spread. Yeah. You know, Vegas just doesn't look at it, and obviously, you're pretty accurate with that. I mean, hell, the Reds have won five games this year. Including last night, 6-2 over the Philadelphia Phillies. It was the Pirates over the Cardinals, 5-0. Brewers over the Padres, 4-3. And cute fella, 8-7 over the mm. Oakland A's. Mm. You just keep walking away further from that mm-hmm. PBR. Code. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, how about the Indianapolis Indians right now? Started the season 0-4, then they won five in a row. Now they've lost three in a row. If you want to catch them in action, uh, especially tonight or tomorrow night, great weather. 7:05 first pitch tonight, 6:35 tomorrow over at Victory Field. Sunday weather permitting, 1:35. Hey Jake, you're off to Long Beach for race number three of the IndyCar season. That is correct. Uh, race getting underway on Sunday. One of the great historic venues. And watching them to go around the fountain area, street course race, so it uses the streets, shoreline, notably, and Pine Avenue of Long Beach. So that race can be heard right here on this radio station uh, starting at 3.30. I believe the coverage begins on Sunday for the race. And one other note we mentioned, Kevin, looks like the Washington Commanders are going to be under new ownership. Yeah, Josh Harris, who has ownership with the New Jersey Devils and the Philadelphia 76ers, reportedly around $6 billion. So a parade in the nation's capital today. No word yet if Jim Mercer will be on one of those floats. What did Daniel Snyder originally buy them for? Boy, um, I would say the return on investment's got to be pretty good. I, I, I don't know. But NFL valuation of franchises is $800 million. through the roof. He Daniel Snyder bought the then Redskins in 1999 for $800 million. He's going to have a little left over after the legal fees. Yeah, man. And that tab he's got to pay at the restaurant here in town where he insisted on smoking a cigar. Greg Rextraw, 8 o'clock. Scott Agnes, 8.30. Trisha. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whitaker at 940. Kevin Aquari here on a Friday. All right, good Friday morning to you. Light drizzle here to start this Friday, as crazy as it sounds. I think that is, thankfully, subsided. It's supposed to be a beautiful day here in Indy and tomorrow before we get a little bit more spring-like weather in a negative way coming up Sunday into Monday. 
You know, Jake, I um, I know it doesn't make for like great radio fodder, if you will, but I'm not going to lie to our audience or just say something just to say it. I don't have like strong, strong conviction in a positive direction one way or the other on Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. Um, like I, I don't, I think this time, you know, around the Pacers draft, it was pretty clear my thoughts on Benedict Matherin and my desire for the Pacers to want to draft him. I, I just don't have that feeling when it comes to these two quarterbacks, so I guess I apologize on that front. I would say where my strongest conviction, though, lies positively about the Colts making a quarterback draft pick coming up in less than two weeks, I have a ton of belief in Shane Steichen. A ton of belief in him. And that's why I think you take a swing. So I'm going to ask this. It's going to sound like I'm being argumentative. I'm not. Uh, tell me why you do. What? We haven't seen him as a head coach. so Yeah, I have a ton of belief in him quarterback-wise. Okay, that's fair. You know, I think his history with, again, styles, um, different shapes, different sizes of quarterbacks, I think all of that gives you or should give Colts fans reassurance and hope and um, his track record is pretty darn impressive when it comes to that position. And when you think about it, you know, Philip Rivers was just handed to him. It's not like he was a member of the Chargers staff in 2003 or 2004 whenever Rivers was drafted. Same thing with Jalen Hurts. You know, he was not in Philly yet. He came to Philly a year into Hurts' career. Um, so the fact that this time he is able to identify or meet and talk with and watch these guys work out and bring them in for top 30 visits and all of that, that gives me, I think, even a little bit more of like, all right, he's got some more intel than he did even when they drafted Justin Herbert. You know, when they drafted Justin Herbert, Shane Steichen was the OC, so he was a part of that, but that was the COVID year. So you had some restrictions on how much interaction you could even have with these guys before the draft. So again, Levis, Richardson, I... I don't know. But Steichen, I feel like I do know. And that's why I think the Colts should make a quarterback move and give their head coach, who's arguably his biggest strength is the quarterback position, give him a chance with that. So let me tell you a gut feeling's the wrong word. A thought that I've wondered, and I want your input on it. I believe... I believe that Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard, and again, I don't think they're sitting there arm wrestling, but I think if both of them, if Jim Irsay was put in charge of this is your draft pick and you are, you're going to be Jerry Jones here, Jim, it's 100% you, I think Jim Irsay would lean to Will Levis. If Chris Ballard was told you have total autonomy and Jim Irsay can't do anything about it, even though he's your boss, uh, you, we're not even going to tell you what Jim Mercer, which way he's leaning. I think Chris Ballard would go with Anthony Richardson. In that event, one would assume the tie-breaking vote goes to the head coach. But he's new here. How much influence does Shane Steichen have in saying, this is the guy that I'd rather have? See, Jake, I would go the reverse of that, or at least <laughs> probably this is me saying I hope it's the reverse of that. I hope it's Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard making the decision and then Jim Irsay is the tiebreaker. I don't think it should be the owner and the GM are voting and Steichen's the tiebreaker. Understood. Um, and I actually think Ursay is 
looking at it in that light. I, I don't think that Ursay is pounding the fist down the table and saying, no, 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 this is my vote. Chris, what's your vote? And then, boom, they have split decisions, and, and, Kevin, and it goes to Shane. I, I agree with that, but here's the thing. I totally agree with that, and I will give Jim Ursay credit that he has gone out of his way to make sure he's not his dad, right? Totally get it. However, there are some things that you don't have to say for them to be true. And Jim Irsay doesn't have to say, I'm going to usurp you because I'm the owner. But when he says things that changes his tune a little bit about Chris Ballard publicly, and I don't mean that in any way, shape, or form that he has said anything to imply that Chris Ballard is on the hot seat or that Chris Ballard, I mean, I think he has a great love and respect for Chris Ballard. But the second that Jim Mercer started saying, you know, the expectations are now, or the I want to start seeing some results here. The, the second that Jim Mercer kind of walked back his tune from this guy is like Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan missed shots also and is still Michael Jordan to I don't want to see as many missed shots. The second that happened, then Chris Ballard has to hear, I would assume, just as any of us do when it comes to our bosses or whatever, you hear that and you start to think, okay, he does. He hasn't said to me that he wants influence on this decision, but he kind of just did. And I probably need to take into consideration what I think he wants. Yeah, it would probably be good, honestly, if both of them took a backseat and let Shane Steichen had more say. That's me banking on a lot of ego taking a back seat, so I'm not holding my breath for that. But I think when you look at the track record of the organization with quarterbacks here lately, it probably would be wise for them to hold Shane Steichen's opinion in pretty high regard. Um, and I do think that is kind of the unknown variable with this process. You know, so much of the potential intel, and I say that in quotes. You know, we might have in the Colts' decision making. Again, if Steichen is going to have a whole lot of say in it, we just don't know because Steichen is the new guy in town. He has only been here for two months, and I don't think there just are those relationships with him at all that would lend people to have serious intel. But again, I, I just don't, I wish I, it was different, but I don't have like. Just a strong... I'm probably like uh, Dane Brugler yesterday. He's got Will Levis right next to Anthony Richardson in his draft rankings. I probably have them pretty close together. But I believe that Shane Steichen deserves a chance with that. Do you have strong conviction one way or the other? Levis or Richardson? I, I Personal opinion, not like Colts direction. On, on who I would go with? Correct. I would go with Levis. Only because, and I think Richardson's incredibly intriguing and probably has higher upside than Will Levis. However, there are two ways, Kevin, to approach whether you're an NBA team drafting a point guard, you know, whatever, or a major league baseball team drafting a pitcher. There are two ways to look at it. If you are drafting a quarterback under a secession plan that you can let organically grow and you are not in a sense of urgency, that gives you flexibility. But when you paint yourself into a corner 
of denying addressing the quarterback issue for like three or four straight seasons, then what you are doing is you are now putting yourself in a position that when you finally decide the time is here to draft a quarterback or to go with the long-term franchise quarterback, you have to negate as many of the things that could be factored into your margin for error as possible. You have to go with the safer play. You know, it's just like investing in the stock market. Some stocks are high risk, high reward. Other stocks are just a safe entry. And I think Will Levis is a, is the safer entry. Anthony Richardson is a high reward guy, there's no doubt. But I'm very hesitant over the lack of starting games, the precedent of players in the NFL that get drafted at the quarterback position that did not have 15 or more starts as a collegian, for example, the law of averages works against you there. And, you know, I, I think I just would go with Levis. I think he's the safer pick. I think Richardson may well turn out to be long-term the better player. Or he may well turn out to be Mitchell Trubisky. I, I don't know. Levis could as well. Don't get me wrong. Can I push back a little bit? When is playing it safe worked out for the Colts lately? What if Jake said like that, no that you can't push back? <laughs> I'd walk out right now. No. Like Ballard said, don't worry. Left tackle's taken care of. We got Matt Pryor here. Let's play it safe. Guy in the building. We're gonna uh, totally, there. totally understood, but wide receiver group, totally fine. Don't need to add anybody. We got our guys. Let's play it safe. Totally understood. What I'm saying is I'm somewhat agreeing with you. In your point that actually then contradicts my point but what i'm saying is you are correct they have been they've sat on their hands for too long mm-hmm. right by playing it safe which then le- but those other things of being conservative are not the ultimate ultimate push in which is the quarterback position and they have put themselves in a position where Partially because, ironically enough, they have played it so safe in the past or been so conservative, they put themselves in position now where they cannot have risk. I just feel that the Colts have, they need to kind of get with the times with the modern NFL standard, and they've had pocket passers forever. They haven't really had a mobile guy that can move. I like what Anthony Richardson does. I know that mobility, obviously, for quarterbacks is an issue. We've talked at nauseum about Lamar Jackson being injured and Justin Fields gets banged up a lot and everything like that. But when you have an offensive line as porous as the Colts have had last season and a wide receiver and tight end group that isn't very isn't even in the top 20 of probably group groups, I say maybe more more mobility for a quarterback isn't the worst thing in the world. I kind of lean towards Anthony Richardson in that respect. You know, one thing that I could hear out, Mark, kind of along those lines is look at the AFC right now. Pretty special quarterback. Young as well. I mean, it's it's a time where if you have a middling QB, you just get swallowed up. Like, it, 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 you're not going to – if you have a middling QB in the NFC right now, you might have the best QB. You might have a division winner. In the NFC. That's not the case in the AFC. So I have heard people make the argument of the AFC is so loaded right now, the only chance you're going to get to that top tier is to take the biggest swing possible. And that would be Richardson. Now, of course – Jake brought up Mitchell Trubisky earlier. Uh, I believe the stat is out there that if you look at guys with whatever it is, 13 or less starts, 14 or less starts in college football, I think Mark Sanchez and Mitchell Trubisky are the only two that have gone in the first round. And 
I don't think either of those careers you would I, sign up for. Here's, here's my way of saying it. Right now. True or false, Kevin, in your opinion, true or false, the hit on this draft is going to determine the hitter the swing or miss on this draft will determine Chris Ballard's future yeah. as unless the he's got more blackmail on Jim Mercer than I could ever imagine yeah without question so if Chris Ballard knows that a miss on this particular draft not on what he does in the third round not what he does in the fifth round not what he does in free agency not what he does in retaining his own players if he knows that a swing and a miss with this draft pick costs him his job then he has to go with the one that has the fewest potential demerits. And, and Levis, there are question marks, don't get me wrong. But it just feels to me, there, there might be two demerits with Levis and three with Richardson. But in that case, I think you got to go with Levis if you're him. That's just my thought process on it. I think as far as... I it, would love for them to take Richardson. I don't want people to misunderstand here, right? I mean, I, I, I think it'd be... I think he appears to be a tremendous upside talent. Don't get me wrong. Does it correct a lot to Levi's for you guys, too, when you've texted yes. and or tweeted about mm-hmm. it? I know. Also, when I type love, like I'll say, like, I love you to my wife, it changes to live. So it says, I live you... And I'm like, why? Why does it keep doing that? Are you watching that on the CW <laughs> next week in Australia for the You're Live right. Golf yeah. Tour? Yeah, I'm sorry, Kevin. Australia, Singapore, back to back for the Live Golf Tour. Coming I just think, regardless, week. quarterback wise, the Colts are probably going to be picking in the top ten again next year, and if these guys don't work out, you're going to be picking a quarterback in the next year or two again all over again. Yeah, I, I think a very, very impactful and interesting storyline to watch in the next two weeks, and obviously. On Thursday night, April 27th, will be what does Houston end up doing it to? Mm-hmm. You know, I think there is some real smoke there that they, if Bryce Young goes one, which right now Vegas is all in on that, if they don't go CJ Stroud and they go Will Anderson at two, that means the Colts are either getting out of Stroud, Richardson, or Levis. Two of those three are going to be available to you at four. Now the question becomes do you sit there? Are you content with two of those three? Do you trade up to three to try and get? Theoretically, Stroud, because he has the highest floor. That domino, I don't think we've thought of throughout this entire offseason. But if the Cardinals are still on the clock at three at that point, and Will Anderson goes two, that'll be some must-see TV, because that'll be wild. And Mark, to that point, think about it. If Will Anderson's gone, now Arizona, I don't think, would view it in the light of, hey, we only want to move back to four because we still want to get Will Anderson. Now the can't-miss defensive guy is gone. So now they might say, screw it. If we're four, if we're six, if we're eight, doesn't really matter. Let's just get the best trade package Oh, the Titans are calling at 11. Let's see what they've got to say. So, again, we'll see how all of this plays out. Greg Ragstraw going to join us now. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
feel like Jake's graduating or something. Jake is looking confused. Rake Straw knows what I'm talking about right now with this intro. He does? 100%. Greg Rake Straw joins us now on the Payless Stickers Hotline. Greg, you want to fill us in? Oh, yeah. I mean, the Macho Man Randy Savage intro is what that is. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> At first, I was like, what is Rake doing? <laughs> He's snapping into a Slim Jim. I literally thought we were going like graduation theme there. I know. I was like, it's not even May oh, no, yet. There, there is, there is, there can't, usually is a high school level of conversation that we have, especially on this morning. Kevin Bowen, would you like to ask me where I'm on my way to right now? Rake, where are you heading on this Friday morning? I am speaking at Cathedral High School this morning, my friend. Wow, if you want to, stop over in Cunningham Hall. Um, my daughter and my son are both in there. You can maybe give them a hello. I'm sure they'd love to see Rake. Uh, what's the speaking engagement? There are apparently like like mass communications classes now uh, at Cathedral High School, like broadcast journalism classes. And for some reason, they think I would be a positive influence. So I'm doing two different shows. I've got the 845 class and like, like a 220 class coming up later today. Look at that. Greg Rakestraw. I absolutely love that. Not to get too, you know, rumor mill high school scene, but I, I've heard some whispers that Maybe Cathedral could be needing a new basketball coach. Are, are you hearing that? I have heard those rumors as well. And uh, one, one of my sources in the rumor mill said as of yesterday that that ain't happening, that uh, that uh, Jason Delaney has been mentioned kind of with the Mount Vernon job, which were the many job openings, but apparently uh, he is not going to be pursuing that job at this time. Okay, what about the other, and I don't know if this is rumor or my apologies, Greg, if now it's fact. I don't know. We're just know. filled with high school That's rumors right. here on this Friday uh, Jeff Teague coaching at Pike. I have heard a lot about that as well. Uh, with Bill Zick's retirement, they're looking for someone. I've always thought they kind of would go to somebody on staff, potentially, for that job. Um, Jeff would probably jump the front of the line if he wants it. Uh, I think there was a school board meeting for Pike last night, but I'm not sure if any details were discussed about that coaching vacancy in that meeting. So nothing new to report on that front, but I've heard a lot about that too. He's Greg Gregstraw, ISC Sports Network. Greg, another storyline we were talking about earlier in the week that I know is close to you would be what Brady Ware did at University of Indianapolis. It's every time that I see the feet or hear his name mentioned, I'm just in awe of the complete game no-hitter and then the hitting for the cycle earlier in the week. What else should we know about Brady Ware and that story that, that, that maybe we don't know? The fact that he's from Southern California and ended up here at the University of Indianapolis, that's the thing that is just as mesmerizing to me um, because like in my days of being at UND, the head coach was Gary Vaught, and Gary, because of his ties to Oklahoma, Kansas, we'd have a lot of players from from the central part of the United States. Um, it is rare that there is someone on campus from California, and that's the young kid that uh, – uh, that, that you know has that amazing accomplishment some seven days ago. Last night, throughout the first pitch at Victory Field, um, the Indians have not won a home game yet uh, so far this year. So I joke, since we at ISC now produce those games for the Indianapolis Indians, I joke with the guys that Brady threw out the first pitch and he was signed to a contract immediately after the game. Um, but uh, what, what's crazy to me is that this U-Indy team, you know, he, he accomplishes this fact they're over five hundred. But they're like 11th in the GLVC right now. So it just kind of shows you sometimes 
kind of how crazy and how random baseball can be. But that is uh, one whale of accomplishment that has certainly gotten that long, young man a lot of press and also gotten the University of Indianapolis a lot of press. I, I mean, well. Greg, rightly so. Like, I am, quite frankly, that's a remarkable I, I'm just accomplishment. amazed that that was not even more ballyhooed than it. Like, that will not happen again in the lifetime of anybody walking planet Earth right now, right? So it, it, it happened last year. I've, I've learned this in a high school game uh, here in India. Really? A young man named Owen Willard that is a pitcher at Purdue-Fort Wayne. Really good team. He played on the east side. He led them to the, to the state runner-up in 2A the year before. He had a perfect game and a cycle in the same game. That's unbelievable. I can't hmm. believe that. That's unbelievable. It's a, it, it's a little bit different at the high school level, depending on the level of competition you're playing, et cetera. It's still a remarkable accomplishment. But yes, I have learned, at least in this state, it has happened before. It does not just how remarkably cool that was. And obviously, fellas, in addition to being I'm a lister of the program. So I was listening on Monday, and it stunned me. And around 300 no-hitters in Major League Baseball history, that I kind of figured... You would have thought somebody would have hit for the cycle more often than the 330 times you I guys. Know. Yeah, I was really surprised. That, that's, the, that's, the, that's the stat that caught my attention. Yeah, I was re- really surprised when we mentioned that earlier in the week. Again, Greg Gregshaw is with us. He's heading to Cathedral High School today just to instill an incredible amount of wisdom into those young minds. They're very lucky to have that here to close out the week. Um Rake, I, I don't want to necessarily continue down the high school rumor mill, and, and I'm not asking for anything you've heard potentially on the Canaan Catchings, Brownsburg Prada, or Brownsburg, I guess, going to be a senior Purdue commit, maybe, maybe not, um, on, on that news. But just him as a player, you know, it seems like this is a guy, Tamika Catchings' nephew, that has really blown up and could be, you know, maybe thought of as one of the next kind of bigger, certainly uh, scoring wings that the state has ever seen. Tremendously talented player, and you can kind of tell that he's got a frame that he's going to grow into that body. He is legitimately six six, six seven, pretty wiry kid. So I think you can put some muscle on that frame, and we'll need to once he gets to the Big Ten level. Tremendous shooter because of his size, has the ability. To shoot over um, a defender, um, had a chance to see him three or four different times during the course of the year. Was very impressed. Kind of getting and a lot of teams fell victim to that uh, because Ben Davis was one of the few teams that had a guy that could kind of match him both from a physicality standpoint, from a size standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint. Carmel kind of had that too when they played Carmel in in, in mid January. Sam Orm drew the defensive assignment. And Cannon had 16, 18 points, but not maybe what he had done against some other levels of competition. Again, I have heard some of those rumblings about a potential move as well. Um, I wouldn't do that if, if I were the family in terms of the level of competition he plays and the level of coaching that he gets. Again, his high school head coach is Steve Lynch, is a guy that has spent time coaching in college basketball. Uh, and is tremendous in terms of preparing kids for the rigors of college hoop. And so I'm hopeful uh, that Cannon will be back at Brownsburg for his senior year, but you simply never know. You can insert the joke here about recruiting rankings and all of that. I'm looking right now. um, He has jumped up on one of the services, 247 Sports, to a five-star, the 17th player in the nation, 
Flory Badunga is on that list as a five-star, as the number three player in the nation. Rake, I could be totally overlooking a recent year, and apologies for that, and that's why you have uh, why we have you on. The last time the state had two five-stars in one class? I mean, Odin and Conley kind of jump out. Uh, I, I don't know if Etwan Moore would have raced that level the next year uh, because clearly Eric Gordon was at that level. Um, but but that that's that's the immediate flashback I have would be those two players. Um, is anyone with Ma- Romeo or, or, or Trace? I, I was trying to think of those years. Right, I mean, Rump, Rump, that, that, and that's the same year. Um, I guess Trace would have been 2019. Yeah, Trace is 2019, Romeo is 2018. Maybe you would have gotten that with like a Zeller and a Teague simultaneously, like 2011, 2012. Yeah, Zeller Teague a good the, one. What about McRoberts' year? That, that, that'd be the, the the company you'd be keeping with that group. Greg, it's a little before that, but Josh McRoberts was like, remember he was, McRoberts, who was a nice player, don't get me wrong, but wasn't he regarded as like the number one player in the country for a while when he was in high school? So that that group, and it was an interesting year because McRoberts would have been 05, which is the same year as... Um, was as Dominic Zeller, James in that group? First, and Dominic James that went to Marquette, who played at Richmond, who kind of, you know, was, I mean, you, you go to, to, at that time, Conference USA and Marquette, it was a big deal. He was he kind of blew up once he got to college. Uh, he was well-known in high school, but his kind of star took off at that point in time. I don't think that you would have been, that Nick Roberts would have been on that five-star level. I don't think that Zeller nor James were. Shout-out to Evan for this. He's going to go with uh, Trey Lyles and James Blackman, Jr. Yeah, that would be close. That would be in, I mean, in 2014. Absolutely. That'd be in that conversation. Man, Blackman Jr., is he in Europe now? He's got to be in Europe, right? Lyles has kind of carved himself into a nice NBA role player, but I, you know he's, he's probably never going to be a star. The, the, this year. Um, this, will, this will age all of us. Trey Lyles just completed his eighth NBA season. Gosh. Yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable. He was on the Kentucky team that beat Notre Dame in the Elite Eight. That's not a game I think about very often, though, so we can totally move on. Does it, does it make you feel better that my wife, who has a degree from the University of Wisconsin, was in the building the next game when they got beat? Does that help you at all in any shape, way, form, or fashion? Really? Yes. Look at that. Do you know how many people, Greg, I've always said this, for those that are to jog the memory of those listening, that was when Kentucky, it was almost seemingly a foregone conclusion with – that Kentucky team that John Calipari had that they were going to go 40-0. and By the midway point sure. of the season, it was like, oh, my gosh. They, they printed out T-shirts, for crying out loud. And that was the platoon group, the blue platoon, the white platoon. They were loaded. And when Wisconsin beat them in the final four here in the national semifinals and then had to come back two nights later and they lost to, I believe, Duke for the national championship game, I'm convinced that half the country probably retroactively by knee-jerk instinctive reaction – still thinks that that Wisconsin-Kentucky game was the national championship. It's kind of like the miracle on ice, right? Like, people forget they had to come back and play two days later. Exactly. Yeah, so Wisconsin beat Kentucky. They slayed the Dragon and finished as the national runner-up. That would be another Duke championship in Indianapolis. Grayson Allen taking over in that game. I know we're all over the map here, Rake, on the high school scene. I don't know if you saw this earlier in the week. I believe he's from Northwood. Did I see a Northwood wide receiver committed to Georgia? You could be correct. Now, I know there was a young man from Northwood uh, that uh, that was heading potentially like to IMG and leaving Northwood. Um, okay. The other young man that's at Northwood now is actually a Warren Central kid in Josiah Edmond. 
So I don't know if it's the young man that was thinking about going the academy route or if it was uh, if it was Edmund or not. So I don't know which one it was. But uh, I know there has been some talent that Nate Andrews has to work with uh, up in uh, Wakarusa and Napa, Nate. He's Greg Rakestall, ISC Sports Network. Uh, he's joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rake, we've obviously beat quarterback uh, deeply into the ground. Let's not go down that path. Rounds two, three, four. What would be on your need list for the Colts here in two weeks? Quarterback, wide receiver, and offensive line depth. You know, this is obviously a Colts team that has has several needs, but maybe not as many as you would think. They just have to obviously answer the ultimate question in terms of you know being a four win team and and not having the quarterback of the future lined up. Are you going to get that at spot four? Are you going to move to spot number three? You going to punt on that discussion and 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 try to do this next year? Or maybe you have even better quarterbacks that will be in the class. So obviously quarterback is number one. I would put wide receiver and cornerback in that order right after that. And then after that, you're getting depth pieces. And so obviously the first position where you go, yeah, you could use some insurance there because of how they played last year would be the offensive line. You know, it's typically, Greg, teams talk about, Bill Pulliam was big on this, best player available. We're just going to go best player available. We have our draft board. We're going best player available. Have the Colts painted themselves into a corner now where they can't go best player available in this particular draft, but they have to go need by by round? I, I think best player available. Um, best player available works for this team still kind of rounds two through seven. Quarterback's a different animal and when you're picking in the top five. So, you know, I and, and let's face it, once you get to round two – that seems to be where the wide receivers in this class tend to be found. There's always cornerback depth to be found, you know, later in the draft. And so, uh, will there be a higher ranking player in the overall, you know, draft board list at th- at four, you know, higher than quarterback? Probably. But again, the need is so great and obvious there. Again, it, it, I think it has to be quarterback for the Colts in that first round pick. Yeah, something to keep in mind about corner two. I, it's a desperate need here in 2023. Kenny Moore and Isaiah Rogers are free agents next year. So, like, yep. even if you just look one year ahead, that is a huge, huge need. I also think a wideout rake. I know this goes against a lot of what Chris Ballard is, you know, his mindset of the type of wideouts he typically goes for. I think they need a point guard guy in that room. I think they got too many power forwards in that room. I think they need to get a little shiftier, a little. Boy, if you could get T.Y. Hilton 2.0, obviously that would be a dream, but that's kind of the type of wideout I think they need to complement what they've got in that room. I want a guy that can get open. Find me that guy, because that's what's in desperate need for the wide receiver room. Uh, You simply need more talent, but find me a guy. Don't care about his height. Don't care about his size. I care about him being open. Find me that guy. That's the guy I want to see on the team. I have said all along, Greg, that the the Colts' problem, problem is maybe the wrong word, their challenge is... I think they really only have one, and, and Kevin, I think you 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 push back on this a little bit, and probably rightly so. That that we have seen that if you can get Pittman moving across the field and get him the ball like on a slant, he does have the ability to turn up the wick a little bit after the catch. But they had to use him differently than that. So maybe Pittman has the potential, Greg. But Taylor, to me, is the only guy on the Colts roster that is an open space lights out guy 
the problem is there really is only one way to get him in that position, and that's handing him the football, and you need it in guys over the middle 15 yards out, right? And that, and that is part of the charge of Shane Sykin. That, that, is, that is on you now to figure out how to best use your weaponry, how to get guys open, how to, be, how to best fit whomever the new quarterback is going to be. And so, yes, again, dynamic playmakers. Because you got because you again you have such a great quarterback need in round one, there's one less chance to get a dynamic playmaker. The hope is that the pick is high enough in round number two, a la where you found Pittman and Taylor, you can find a guy of similar ilk in the second round. Should a reason that they pay Michael Pittman be who else at wideout? I haven't gotten far enough to look into the uh, free agent wide receiver class of the spring of 2024. I just don't think those guys uh, so, hit the open market, Rake. This is such a bad wide receiver group this year. Right. I, I Again, I, I don't want to act like Pittman has established himself as some unquestionably $20 million a year guy, but if the goal is about supporting the young quarterback, which I believe every move needs to be here in the next couple of years, uh, I don't know if I want to give him Alec Pierce as my number one and Isaiah McKenzie right. as my number two. I would I would tend to agree with that. I still want to kind of read the room and, and see how it plays out. Rake, good luck today at Cathedral. Uh, I don't know if they still serve great buff chick sandwich that um, <laughs> for for lunch there. B basement was where I had a locker. Um, the woods out back, a nice little viewing spot as well. So enjoy your time up on the hill. Is there is there a shrine to Kevin Bowen's golf career at Cathedral High School that I can go check out by door number four? Yeah, shrine would be putting it very loosely. I I, I do believe as you walk into the cafeteria, there is a picture of uh, of our team in two thousand eight. But yeah, shrine maybe for Corey Zadonis, not for myself. I will do my best to take a picture and tweet that out to the masses <laughs> when I get there in a few minutes. Thanks, Rick. See you guys. So Kevin, the two thousand eight golf state champions, the course was where. The legends down in Franklin, Indiana. They now have it at Prairie View up in Carmel. And the other, let's say the the silver and bronze went to who? Avon uh, was very, very good. They actually beat us in regionals that year. Three teams get out of sectionals. Three team, at least when I was in high school. I don't know if they still follow the same format. Uh, we were paired with uh, Avon and Lafayette Jeff. And were there any guys from the other schools that you'd competed against that like you didn't like them or whatever, and then your paths crossed like collegiately or professionally. Where now you guys laugh about it, and well, we've got three dudes on the PGA Tour from that state finals, so that's pretty impressive. Patrick Rogers from Avon, uh, I believe he finished fifth. Tyler Duncan was the defending champ that year. He won as a junior. He did not win as a senior. Corey Zadonis, my teammate, did, and then uh, Adam Shank from Vincennes was on that team. But the Avon guys are pretty good. Yeah, I have crossed paths with them. I mean, I did during the summer and, you know, during the time, you're like, oh, I hate those dudes. I hope they get a flat totally. tire leaving Hendricks County. It's exactly right. But they were really good. Yeah, they beat us in regionals that year and luckily my uh, my teammates played outstanding. Losing the, the strap on their golf bag on their cart mm-hmm. while they so they drive off and mm-hmm. they lose their bag. Fortunately, we are <laughs> not. I showed you. We're not taking carts in the high school. I mean, these days. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. See him at a golf outing, maybe hit into them. Mm-hmm. You know, don't yell for a little bit of a just let nature take its course. I was devastated. Intimidation factor. I didn't play, obviously, but I was doing the radio. I did the play by play. North Central had a wild golf coach, by the way. Really? I think of his name. I can picture him right now. What, like a Bobby Knight type? Uh, no, he's just, he's just crazy. Okay. 
Well, that's how we are at North Central. They, um, they were good, though, when we were in high school. My senior year, North Central lost in the basketball section or in the regionals to Southport. That Southport team was really good. They'd been to the Final Four in 90. William Moore was, I always felt, was one of the most underrated Indiana players. I mean, he dropped like 25 in the first half against Anderson at the Dome and that Damon Bailey year. Um, or was it? No, it was against Bedford North Lawrence. He had that in the first half. But at any rate, that team in 1991, my senior year, Marlon Fleming, Dan Von Dilligan, I think is how you say his last name, Shaka Lands, uh, Brad Courtney, they were really good. And I couldn't stand them because they knocked out North Central and ended our you know Cinderella run. And then in college, I had a class with Dan Von Dilligan. I think it's – I hope I'm saying that correctly. but And was like a totally nice dude, right? And it's like, oh, man, like you're not supposed to be a nice guy. You're supposed to be like, a, you know, I thought you were like a complete smug jerk, and he was a totally good dude. Same with Brad Courtney. And Marlon Fleming was really – I mean, that, anybody that's my age that saw Marlon Fleming on the low block knows he was Barkley-esque, man. That dude could flat-out ball. Good player. Good times. Joy to have Greg Rakestraw come to your high school. Chat. I think he's there all day. He said he's speaking well, he's, in the morning, the afternoon. Does he leave? Do you think he leaves for like five hours? Be a nice substitute teacher. Walk in, have Rake. Encyclopedia <laughs> of knowledge instilling you. Uh, Scott Agnes going to join us here in a few. Speaking of North Central, Trisha Whitaker coming up. I believe Trisha Whitaker is, um, I want to say, is it uh, the Cougars of Bloomington North? Is that their nickname? Panthers of the South, right? Correct. She is Bloomington North, I'm sure. I believe, right? believe she's Bloomington North product. Uh, we graduated together at IU. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk with Scott Agnes here in a few about the Pacers. Kevin Bowen, uh, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. And Mark, now that I think about it, it's time for a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You would think that by Friday we're in groove, yeah, right? I know. I'm like, wait a minute. We do have something that we need to get to here. Muddling through trying to round out the week. Um, uh, we got to get to the undefeated team in baseball right now. That would be the Tampa Bay Rays. They pushed it to 13 and 0 yesterday, and it sounded like this. Pulling very hard on that rope. There's a swing and a high drive into right center field. This should do it to his left. Manuel Margot is there. Would you believe 13 and 0 to start the year? The Tampa Bay Rays have swept the Boston Red Sox four in a row and they tie a major league record by starting the new season 13 wins in a row they win it today nine to three and they head on the road trip incredibly still undefeated i'm not gonna lie to you i kind of want to know what the rope was that he was pulling on i would assume he was talking about his swing right yeah i think that's kind of a um you know, radio word. If you right. have 162 games a year, you're trying That's to right. throw a few more at them. Uh, elsewhere in Major League Baseball yesterday, and that is impressive. The Rays now, as you just heard on WDAE Radio, tying the Major League Baseball modern era record. The only better start that you could find, 1884, the St. Louis Maroons, who became the Indianapolis Hoosiers. They did what any team did after setting a record and decided Indianapolis would be better. Cincinnati over the Phillies yesterday, Are 6-2. you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? They won, Mark. I know. Come on. Audio still plays. Pirates over the Cardinals, 5-0. Brewers over the Padres, 4-3. And the Orioles over the Athletics, 8-7 amongst the scores yesterday. Freaking Indianapolis Indians, one way or the other. Start the season 0-4, win five in a row. Now they've lost three in a row. 
Uh, three home games coming up this weekend against St. Paul for the Indians. All right, tonight, NBA play-in games. We will finalize the eight-team brackets in the East and the West. In the East, it'll be the Heat of the Bulls taking on the Milwaukee Bucks in round one. The Heat are favored by five and a half, just like they were earlier in the week when they got um, really handled by the Hawks on their home floor. The second game tonight will be the Western Conference matchup between the Timberwolves and the Thunder. That is a five-and-a-half-point spread as well, Rudy Gobert should be back for that one, which I guess if you're going to give up 19 first-round picks for him, you would like for him not to be suspended for critical games. <laughs> yeah. Mark? More? Yes. More? Thank you. Uh, NFL news, by the way. Washington Commanders, it appears as though imminent the sale will take place. Daniel Snyder no longer will be the owner of the franchise. $6 billion, that's with a B dollar sale. He bought them in 1999 for $800 million. So he got, what, a 710% investment? It's not bad. Return on investment? Yeah. It's not bad. For being a jerk? Mm-hmm. Not bad. Yeah. It's a good life lesson there, mm-hmm. you know, to share. Uh, Jake Long Beach this week. Uh, New Garden defending champ there? I'm trying to think uh, who won it there last year. Boy, that is a good question, who won it there last year. You put me on the spot there. I know that Michael Andretti has the record for most wins there, along with, and I think Mario has won fewer than that. Uh, I believe that's correct. New Garden. I like Herda had a win there at some point. Maybe I'm imagining uh, Rossi things. has won there, obviously. Ryan Hunter-Ray, who's not in the race, uh, I remember winning there. Sato's won there. But it's a great course. The street course of Long Beach is fantastic. Joseph, no- <laughs> Joseph New Garden did win, did win last he year. He did? Okay. He's kind of known as like the second favorite on the schedule? Undoubtedly. It's the most historic street course race in the country. And it is definitely on the West Coast. I mean, it's probably the second biggest race behind the Indy 500, truth be told. Uh, I love it. It's a lot of fun. I love the area, obviously. And come back, I just looked at it, land at 525 on Monday on the red eye. So, You know, I don't say this often, and I'm sure my boss would not appreciate me saying it, but if you have other plans on Monday from 7 to 10 a.m., I'd probably listen to some other things. Excuse me? Jake off the red eye. I mean, I mm-hmm. want to make sure that we continue to leave strong that impressions. That just means off the rails a lot sooner than usual. It's usually the be- audience. Honestly, sleep deprivation usually allows me. That's when I'm at my best. It's when I'm the smoothest. Now, who is evaluating that? Who has me? told you that? His sleep-deprived brain is evaluating that. <laughs> I'm in my zone right now. I've told me some me. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's been. I'm just telling you. I, I sit on the, just so you guys know, if you want to know the dedication I have and the love and loyalty I have to you as my coworkers, I will sit on that plane flying somewhere over Nebraska in the middle of the darkness of the night doing nothing but coming up with incredibly whimsical observations that will better and bolster this program all day on Monday. Are, are, you, one that that talk, are you one that talks to your neighbor on a red eye? Oh, I when I... Listen... Kevin, I came back from a red eye once from Long Beach, and I, uh, no, to answer your question, and I'm like, I'm going to sleep, and right as we're about to take off, this dude sat down next to me, who was coming back from some cult convention in Santa Cruz, cult or cult, C U L T, okay, oh. and he he broke out a bottle of liquid. You like my Kool Aid here, Jake? He spl- he splashed it on me and him, and I said, well, What are you doing? And he said, well, That's the those are the tears of a thousand dead kings. And what led to a four-hour diatribe about the um, Anunnaki and 
the reptilians and the grays. Anunnaki. And, Aren't those wings at Al Emporium, or is that something else? <laughs> exactly. So this guy went on for four hours bending my ear about all kinds of the Illuminati and all of it. I recorded it. And then we played it on my old radio show. We actually played it. It was the most downloaded audio that we did for like a year, which probably says something about our radio show. And then when we landed, he was like, man, it was so enlightening sitting next to you. It's just the way the universe meant it to be. And I said, well, it's actually assigned seating, so it's not really that coincidental. And then he said, and I'll never forget it, oh, no, dude, I was actually seated in row 29. I just saw the open seat and wanted to sit next to you. I got zero sleep on that flight. Scott Agnes joins us now. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Next here, Kevin and Corey. 28 minutes before the hour, 9 o'clock, as Mark Dykeman bounces back with the greatest band ever assembled. Not necessarily their greatest hit, but a good song, right? Well, that has a lot to do with the Pacers. A little patience. I like that. There. Mark, yeah. Mark is always on it. He is. Uh, joining us now to talk about exactly that, not about Mark being on it, but about the patience of the Pacers, is Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files on the Payless Cigars Hotline. Scott, we'll begin with this. I thought Kevin Pritchard, not only in his end-of-year powwow, but also when he came on this program, uh, was pretty open and candid about the fact of, I like what we had, I like the year we had, I like the group we have, and now I've got to figure out how in the world I jostle in new pieces with that and it sounded to me like a guy that was pretty open about the fact that even though they have five draft picks it does not mean they're going to be adding five new players next year yeah good morning jake i would completely agree with that and that's it's kind of what he's reiterated several times even going back you know a couple of months here just because i mean you can't have too many projects you can't have too many guys that are in the same phase and so now it's I think the key word might become consolidate. You need to have a, a one bigger piece rather than kind of three smaller pieces that are contributing similar attributes here. And so um, that's what they're really after. And what, what every team's after the challenge is how much ammo is it going to take to try to be able to get that player via trade. Now they're going to have one really good draft pick. Um, but from then on out, I'll be curious to see how many, how much of those other four picks that they'll decide to use. And Scott Agnes with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott, when we've talked about the Colts this offseason, I've said, all right, every single decision that they make has got to be about supporting the young quarterback. When I'm talking about the Pacers, I feel like every single decision they make this offseason has got to be with the first thought of how do we get better on the defensive end of the floor. And, and I know that's maybe not like what every NBA team says, and, and I know the league you know caters so much to the offensive end of the floor, but do you think they share kind of a similar mindset of, man, before we do anything, the first question we have to ask ourselves is, are we getting better defensively? 
I think right before that, it starts just with talent. You'll take outright outright talent before anything, and then figure it out from there. But no, that that remains true. It's almost like they overcorrected, right? Remember how good those defensive teams were for so long in, in a row there. And if you go back even further, the teams that were actually competing, that's when they were top three in the league in defense, like three or four years, led the league twice. It doesn't need to be that extreme, but they can't come back here and, and finish the second straight season as the worst defensive team, you know, in the last couple of months. And, and I mean, other teams are basically having per layup lines and parades in the, you know, in the paint. Things are just coming so easily. And again, that was one where they were holding miles out. Tyrese wasn't out there, but still for several years now, we've continued to hear about point of attack and guys needing to guard their yard better. And that's in large part why we've seen a lot more of miles and his activity at the rim because guys would get beaten and miles is that safety net back there. And that's kind of elevated his importance because of that but no again it all starts with those guys individual defense and then in terms of filling out the roster with guys that can actually defend and at the three and at the four which they they've had Boyan, sad young was decent um but there's been a big gaping hole of lack of defenders guarding the most important person on the other team, whether it's Giannis, <laughs> whether it's LeBron, Paul George, Kawhi, that's a big hole that's needed to be filled. But I'm not sure how you exactly fill it right away because you're pro- you're not going to get it in the draft usually, right? Like it takes a player a couple of years to be able to defend. So to me, that is the number one priority in free agency. But you know, Scott, I, I get this feeling. When there have been years in the past where the Pacers drafted a player – that wasn't overly sexy, but then when you looked at the totality of how that piece fit in with those that were already around, you went, ah, I get it. It makes sense now. And Kevin Pritchard basically, I think, is thinking to himself, okay, maybe we need one more like Halliburton Matherin type guy, but it would not surprise me unless they move up via the ping pong balls. If there's if they're drafting eighth, for example. It would not surprise me if they draft a guy that isn't an overly sexy name but has a definitive, isolated role in terms of like as a wing defender and that's what he brings to the table because he is strictly a piece of the puzzle that won't make sense for a year or two. What say you? I think first I would completely agree they're at least one foundational piece away. And second, what you just said kind of gets tricky. You want to be careful there. You want you got to draft best player available, I believe, at that spot. Um, and if if you're really hunting towards that defensive end, you might be able to get that guy at twelve or thirteen and be able to trade back a little bit. If if they're picking in that five to eight range, you're probably going best player available because that if you don't, that's when you get caught up and that's when things get awfully dangerous. Again, Scott Agnes with us, Fieldhouse Files. Scott, we heard at Kevin Pritchard's season-ending presser earlier in the week. He, I think, you know, pretty much hinted, if not said, that they made two big offers at the trade deadline. Um, any guesses as to who those offers would have been for? OG Ananobi is one that pops into my mind. Any guesses on those? Yeah, I'm more curious by the former and why why it's being so known, right? Like, why put it out there so much? Um, I think he wants a fan base because, to know that he's making those moves or attempting to make those moves. 
Yeah, probably fan base. Tyrese is some uh, the player he, he really hyped up and and was pra- full of praise. Um, so you want to take care of your own, obviously. That's another thing. I mean, Jake, I listened to your guys' interview with him, and Jake brought up the point of you know trying to make sure a guy doesn't leave stuff like that. But um, which is a, obviously would be a concern for the fan base and such too. But I, I don't know that. To me, that was one of those things. I was surprised. It kept being brought up on its own, right, at the trade deadline, at the postmortem a couple days ago, and then again with you guys. Because, there, no, there, we don't know any specific leaks. I've heard it's taken four or five first-round picks to get a guy like OG Ananobi, and I think that'd be foolish for any team to do. I think that's well beyond uh, what he's actually worth. So he's one um, that I think you could probably connect the dots there. Um, Outside of that, it had to be another wing. It had to be a, a, a power forward and a wing for sure. Scott, do you feel like Jalen Smith's a guy this time a year ago that we were like, oh my gosh, they've got to do whatever they can to keep him. I mean, I think everybody felt that way. And and he had a very inconsistent year. He obviously could have gone elsewhere for bigger money, at least we thought so. Not only had Jalen Smith fallen out of favor here a little bit, but do you think that he has devalued himself league-wide to the point where if Indiana even wants to retain him after this contract, that they're going to be able to do so at minimal cost? And do you think they even explore it? Yeah, so one of the big questions I think this offseason has, it feels like you need to choose between Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith. I don't think we need this experiment of them alternating games. I think that was them in the coaching staff trying to make the best out of the situation for both players. But guys needed continuity. It's going to be something I write about here. It took a toll on some of the guys, and you know, trying to set the expectation for yourself: Are you going to play? Are you not going to play? That's difficult. Now with Jalen Smith, I think a lot of what threw him off was starting the first, what, two months of the season, but doing it at his unnatural position, which then reminds me a little bit of Miles Turner, right? How many years did he play out of position or at least the position he's most comfortable and natural in? Then you slide him back in and he's a lot more productive. I think that's similar to Jalen Smith here. He's he's always played the five. He's played some four, but uh, almost entirely the five here. And I think Getting more reps and getting more, having a consistent opportunity at the five will will be better off for him to the point, and being back with her Carlisle potentially within this system will pay off. Uh, there's there's a lot of value in, in those bigs that can shoot and, and be those floor spacers, and I think Jalen more matches up with Rick's five out playing style. The difference though on the other side is I see Isaiah being the player that untaps, he, he generates something no one else on this roster has. It's a truly unique skill, the lob threat, um, some defensive pressure, all that sort of stuff. So if they do choose one, I'll be curious which route they go because I don't think there's an obvious decision to be made. I just don't think you need the overlap there, and I think the same could be probably said in the backcourt with Chris Duarte, with Buddy Heald, maybe with another guard back there. When you talk about trying to trim down the roster – I think I think one of those at each position makes a lot of sense, and then add a couple six eight wings. Now that's easier said than done. But that's what I'm looking towards. Our guest is Scott Agnes. Fieldhouse Files is his website. Paylessiger's hotline is where he is currently. Scott, one guy that I, I regret 
um, as I thought back on the Kevin Pritchard interview that I did not ask about, and I should have, be, but it almost was fitting because it's a guy that inexplicably I, I think we all just kind of forgot about. What's the future of Chris Duarte? <laughs> I was curious, so I actually asked Rick myself about that, and he, he basically said, hey, you know, this was a tough year. See, so Chris only played 46 games. In my mind, it felt like 25. It felt like he, he just wasn't out there much at all, where, in fact, he was there for about half the season. But his season was essentially derailed by injuries, and so I wasn't sure what to make of this year. And and there was a lot going into it, too, about him no longer being the shiny object going into the season, right? That was Benedict Mather, and then Andrew Nemhard became that. So I don't know if he naturally kind of felt like he fell out of turn or was no longer, you know, the the – the, the new product in town that everybody wanted to see on display. But nonetheless, I almost throw out this year, at least personally. I'm not sure we saw much from him. I'm not sure we saw much development. I'm sure it was good from a, from a locker room, on the court, um, learning personnel, that sort of thing, and what it takes to be in the NBA. But I don't think there was enough of a sample size for him to really take that normal step that we're used to seeing from the fresh from the first to second year type guy so to me um and by the way i asked chris he said you know i'm i'm trying to get healthy getting healthy is my goal repeated that word about four or five different times i asked if he was healthy and he didn't specifically clarify where he's at it was the shortest interview by the way at exit interviews, just about three minutes. Because to to the larger point, I'm not sure he had a lot to say about his season outside of, I need to get healthy so that I don't experience this again. I think he's a guy right now, his trade value is probably the lowest it's been just because of that. Um, but I, it's one of those where I could see him starting the season here but not necessarily finish it if he elevates his game and, and, and creates some trade value as well. Or... Or maybe he's a guy you include in a trade package with those two late first-round picks and, and maybe another guy. Maybe maybe that can help give you some ammo. But I like Chris's game. I like what he can contribute. Rick praised his defense from his first year um, an awful lot. And I think we just need to see more of that. And Scott Agnes with us from Fieldhouse Files. Scott, when you talk about, like, all right, these are our puzzle pieces moving forward. Obviously, Halliburton, certainly Matherin. You know, Miles Turner's under contract for a couple more years. You know, there's complimentary pieces as well. Is Buddy Heald, like, unquestionably, like, part of this two- or three-year next era, if you will? I can't go just yet beyond this next year for because just because he's under contract one more year. And I think that's a decision you have to make, and it has to be made with Buddy in terms of, are you comfortable coming off the bench here the rest of the way? Now, he did at the end of his career with the Sacramento Kings, but where I'd be cautioned, both if I'm the Pacers and Buddy, is I want to maximize my time with Tyrese on the floor because when he was out there, Buddy was having one of the best career best seasons of his career. When he wasn't, now, given there are other people, other key players missing, so you're playing with young guys and trying to help shoulder the load, but he wasn't as efficient and wasn't getting to his spots and wasn't getting the shot opportunities that he was getting. So I think that would be my concern, certainly if I'm Buddy, too. And I think, Kevin, we heard praise that second unit and for leading the league and, and bench scoring and those sorts of things. Um, I, I think you try to figure out 
what what he looks like with other pieces if he's not with that featured starting group because I don't think that will be the case if he's part of the long-term vision. So I think things, how I read it from Kevin, are very much up in the air. Um, with Buddy having just one more year under contract, you don't really need to come to a contract extension. You could, um, but there's no great need, and I think you, they're still trying to sort out what everything else looks like beyond Tyrese and beyond ben- Benedict. Those are the two foundational pieces, the pillars, however you want to phrase it, and uh, the rest is still kind of to be determined how it shapes together. Scott, I think the thing that they didn't realize about Buddy Heald and then learned about Buddy Heald that has made the conundrum of Buddy Heald that much more real in terms of you know where you go, just not just based on like kind of the age and timing difference of the fact that you know he's an older guy than he's not old, but you get what I'm saying, but. I think he plays a position and a role, outside scorer, three-point shooter, that typically you run the highest risk on your roster of that guy being the ego guy that that can interrupt things and be a little selfish, and I don't think he is at all. I, I think they have been pleasantly surprised and borderline blown away at how unselfish and how much he has gelled in with everybody, and that's what a big part of the dilemma is on figuring the long-term viability of Buddy Heald. Yeah, that's absolutely correct, Jake. And I would add to that the fact of the, the, the environment he helps create in terms of competitiveness, in terms of not missing games, and having fun out there. Like, he, he constantly reminds us, like, hey, this is a kid's game. Like, we are so blessed to be – this is our job. Like, are you serious? Like, I go shoot baskets. That's my job. Like, there's, there's a, a humbling effect. And while also taking it seriously, but also enjoying it, that it, that is just so appreciated, I think, for a franchise like that. That's a part that I was stunned by, just because how much negativity do we hear about him coming out of Sacramento? Like, there, was, there had to be a lot of different factors in play, but it's been a total 180 since he's got here and, and kind of has gotten that fresh start he's needed. Uh, he appreciates how Rick empowers him and allows him to, to be him but I did think, too, it was interesting how Kevin mentioned, hey, if Buddy wants to be part of this in the future, he's really going to have to add something defensively. So that, was, that, to me, was spoken directly to Buddy and, and tells him right away. He's part of, he's part of the problem um, with guys not being able to def- defend their guys. But Buddy has been a breath of fresh air, like you said, and, and I just think you, when you consider his future, you also consider how much Rick loves shooters how much they want to run and gun, and that fits his style. And right now, I'm not sure you can have enough shooters out there. And his, his price tags, at least for this final season, is reasonable, about $18 million, I want to say, with this de-escalating contract. So he's not – I think when he came here, a lot of people figured automatic trade asset, automatically going to be a traded. What can you get for him? And it absolutely has not turned that way. In fact, he's become a great asset who you can count on every single night. Scott, uh, last one. Is next week when we're expecting the um, the coin flip situation to settle these four of the five picks that are a bit unknown right now? We think, but there's no certain certainty with that just yet. But, yeah, that's, that's a big uh, area the Pacers would like some clarity certainly on is where exactly will they pick because of those tiebreakers that we'll be watching closely. They just do this like... I was going to say... Oh, like, by the way, we got bored yesterday and flipped a coin. Okay. <laughs> is this as secretive it's as, as, it's, as the lottery? It truly is flipping a coin, though. Yeah. 
Well, we'll see. Uh, Scott, thanks for uh, all your uh, coverage. And uh, I know you're in noon to three earlier this week. So thanks for always hopping on with us and uh, doing a little uh, midday action as well. Yeah, enjoyed it throughout the season. Thanks, guys. Scott Agnes right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You notice when you do look at, and again, what I always say, mock drafts are really good for mocking, but they give you a barometer, and they're usually pretty accurate in terms of the slot of players. Jalen hood Shafino slowly is moving up, Kevin. I mean, he's now, I, I see him originally. Will he get out of the lottery? I think he's going to be right on the outside of the lottery, right? He's probably going to be like 15, 16, but... You know, two months ago, he was like in the 25 to 30 range. A lot of that maybe just depends on who who is declaring and who isn't, et cetera. But I think his mid-range ability to score, which is so rare now, seemingly in the NBA, and just his body type are pretty coveted. Zach Eady also... Gosh, why, when are we getting word on that? On Zach Eady? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I see now, you know, he is listed as a player that will be drafted, not a first-rounder, but that could be drafted. Uh, Trish Whitaker going to join us here in about an hour. Kevin and Quare. NFL draft or NBA draft, Kevin? Which one do you more enjoy? Uh, NBA because it's uh, quicker. And you know a higher percentage of the players, right? I get yeah. such a kick out of the NFL draft, like on day three, when you literally see people that are like, I really wish that, you know, I, I like this left tackle out of Texas A&M. You're like, dude, it's pick 240. Yeah, I, you know, I, yes on the quick part, but I do feel like we're getting to the point with the NBA draft where it's like, all right, the first 15 picks, 10 of them, eight of them played college basketball last year. Right. You know, international, of course. And, and a lot of them for one year, right? And now we've got G League Ignite yeah. and, you know, Overtime Elite and this and that. And so I do feel like there's more of the casual, and let's be totally honest here, Notre Dame basketball does not produce a lot of NBA draft picks. Notre Dame football does produce a good amount of NFL draft picks. So I am curious, just like, oh, I wonder where Isaiah Foskey is going to get drafted. I wonder where Michael Mayer is going to get drafted. You know, if you're a Purdue fan, I mean, you could – Purdue very well could have four picks in the first five rounds. When's the last time Purdue football's had that? You know, people get like the the draft itself, the NBA. We'll do NBA. It's one of my favorite games to play here. 2014 NBA draft. Give me a number one through 30. 2014 NBA draft number 19. The 19th pick. Oh, Gary Harris. Oh, look at that. I mean, he's okay, right? Good run there. Nothing crazy, but. Mark, give me a number. 11. Doug McDermott. Okay. Doug McDermott on the Spurs this year still is just wild to me. <laughs> like, he's scoring 34 late in the year, and he's 30 years old. 2025 guy. 20 a game for a 25-win team. Draft's full of them. Absolutely full the of them. The draft that really is wild to me, and I think the evaluation process would be so difficult and we're going to have a local guy go very high by all accounts in this year's version of it, is the MLB draft. Oh, I mean, I remember like Mike Piazza was like a 57th round pick. What? I read a story. I got pretty deep in I'm talking about Max Clark, by the way, from Franklin, who is, you know, by all accounts, probably the best high schooler this year. I read an article a few years back on the selection of Mike Trout. He was a New Jersey high school kid. And you had... I forget the number, but you had a number of Major League Baseball teams that had a entrenched rule. We never waver from it. We do not take 
and they labeled New Jersey as a Northeast state. We do not take a Northeast high school kid before like round six. Like that was just a mandate that they had in their draft room. So Mike Trout <laughs> was not even going to be thought in round one, two, three, four, five, six. And, you know, again, part of me obviously is like that, Jake, come on. But then how do you evaluate the kid that is a Andrean stud right. versus the kid down great. at Miami, yeah, great Long Beach, Poly, whatever? And, yeah, I the MLB draft to me has got to be the most I mean, Piazza, player. Mike Piazza, literally his dad knew somebody within, I think it was the Dodgers organization, and was like, can you just draft him as a favor? And so he goes in the 62nd round. And he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> and then the international part. Oh, yeah, I mean. You know, those contracts, how those work. I mean, again, we're, we're watching the World Baseball Classic, and Japan's got this 21-year-old that looks unreal, and it's like, wait, 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 what? why isn't he over here playing? You know, all of that. So It's like when you said the other day about the NFL draft, like, oh, how many GMs are just like at that in the seventh round throwing the dart at a board? You have to be throwing multiple darts and multiple boards in the MLB draft. <laughs> oh, no without way. question. Without question. Yeah. It's almost like you go around the room and you're like, all right, Mark, you get the 27th pick. You get the 27th round. Yeah. We'll, we'll let area scout Jake uh, take, take the 32nd uh, round here. I'll take the 19-year-old second baseman from Venezuela. Jake, you've taken the North Central Panther three times in the last seven drafts here. Well, <laughs> you yeah. keep yelling, hail our Panthers after every pick. Trish. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Dr. Whitaker joins us here at 9 o'clock hour. Hi there, good morning. It's a Friday, 9 o'clock hour here in Indianapolis. 9 o'clock hour technically everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Quarry. Mark Dykton here as well. Kevin Bowen. That music went away quickly, Mark. What's going on there? Again, copyright. YouTube. Got to be careful. Shh. Really? Can't be too careful. Yeah. yeah, I'm certainly with... A lot of bad drivers. Certain with audio clips that can't be played either. Yep, yep. Got to keep an eye on those things. Somebody seems to be towing the line on the audio there, Mark. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> a little true. overcast. I wasn't expecting this. Let's check the weather forecast in Long Beach, California, shall we? No, you're just going to rub Traffic it in a little bit. Fives, no, it, on the threes. Is that what we're doing right It now? hasn't been. Um, you know, one of the, the most torrential downpours I've ever been into in my life was in Long Beach, California one year. Um, but do they still run on in they, rain? Unless there's excessive standing water, yes. They will run. Uh, Long Beach right now, 52 degrees. Keep in mind, it's only 6 o'clock in the morning there. 
Uh, tomorrow, sunny and 70, low of 50. Sunday, partly cloudy, high of 68 degrees. It's a little uh, little different for the LBC. You're nitpicking there a little bit. It's, I love it, man. You guys have a favorite first-round series in the NBA? I've got mine. I think I've shared it earlier in the week. Allow me to... You know, for me... I think that you could go multiple directions, which is not an annual statement I think we make about the first round of the NBA playoffs. Okay, Celtics-Hawks doesn't do much for me. Sixers-Nets doesn't do much for me, although that's a good matchup. Um, I do think the Sixers got a bit of a piano on their back and just, all right, are they ever going to get it done? Can you imagine actually having a piano on your back? Yeah, not ideal. <laughs> um I think you said it, and you're. It's really hard to argue this one. Kings Warriors. Yep. Yeah. Yep, that's yep. Pretty hard to argue. Yeah, I think I think most of the intriguing ones are in the West, unsurprisingly. But Grizzlies, Lakers, Kings, and Warriors, and then Clippers, Suns. I think is pretty. No, and the Paul George health. He's not yeah. going to start the series. When does he get out there? I mean, just your star talent alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, when's one? Whenever Paul does play, I mean, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Devin Booker. Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. The Suns have pushed all in, so. I'll give you. I've got one more that I. I, I'll give you a sneaky one that is not overly sexy, but I think is a really intriguing matchup that could have some really good and close games. Cleveland, New York. I would agree. And, you know, I think a storyline from an individual standpoint in that one is wasn't New York the most rumored for Donovan Mitchell? And then he ended up going to Cleveland. I think that's right, yeah. So I think any time you get playoff basketball in the Garden, it's obviously appointment television. But that storyline, and just, you know, okay, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, these guys in, in kind of more the lead settings in the playoffs, that would be, um, I think that's a pretty good 4-5 matchup. You can have there. the uh, fan base, if, if the Knicks win a game like they did though, against the Hawks, where they're like, Knicks are back, baby! We're back! <laughs> and then they like never won a game yeah. the rest of the series. Trey Young's like, watch this. Yeah. But yeah, I think out West, to your point, Mark, I think all of them. Those were all really good. Really, yeah. really good. The West just feels like, like the West feels like it's a, a sexier brand of basketball. And I know that that's not necessarily the case, but... You know, Phoenix is fun to watch. Golden State's fun to watch. Sacramento now, you know, De'Aaron Fox, the way he's got them, the pace he plays, they're fun to watch. And in the the East, and they're really good teams, don't get me wrong, but the reputation, you know, Boston, Philly, feels like they're more grinded out, tough-nosed, blue-collar basketball, which I know is probably an antiquated stereotype to go with for those teams or those franchises but I mean you know the Celtics I guess that's the other question Kevin is which are the teams that are unbelievably and and have a very good chance of winning at all that no one really talks about I mean Boston would be up there right because we talk so much about Giannis and we talk so much about Embiid and Boston's got two of the top 10 players in the league Mark do you mind looking up the odds I, I would have a guess that they're pretty darn even in terms of picking a championship team right now. Um, the games tomorrow, you'll get three of the East series, 1 o'clock Nets, Sixers, 3.30 Celtics, Hawks, 6 o'clock Cavs, Knicks, and then 
Again, the one that I really like, Warriors Kings, to close out the night. The other four series will play on Sunday. I could be looking a little bit too far ahead. So if the Timberwolves lose tonight, disregard this statement. If the Timberwolves beat the Thunder tonight, they're the eight seed. The Nuggets are the one seed. If you were the Nuggets, would you would you have any concern over playing the Timberwolves in a first round series? Rudy Gobert against Nikola Jokic. Yeah, I mean Anthony Edwards is a guy that I think has the potential to he is a good player. Be a takeover type of guy. I have the odds if you'd like them. Okay, are these championship odds? These are outright betting to win the NBA championship this year. Okay, the favorite, the Milwaukee Bucks at plus two forty. Okay. Up next, another East team, the Boston Celtics, plus 350. Okay. So all the talk about the West and the East are the two favorites. Well, that's because there's less exactly. path, obviously. Uh, Phoenix Suns, plus 480. Golden State Warriors, this is where it starts dropping off, plus 850. Wow, they're that low. Denver Nuggets, plus 1,000. Same with the 76ers. Memphis Grizzlies, plus 1,800. Lakers, plus 2,100. And then we really start getting into money making. If the Cleveland Cavaliers, Clippers, Kings, Knicks, Hawks, Heat, Timberwolves, Nets, Thunder, what are the and Kings? The Kings are plus five thousand. So the Kings, <laughs> and they're a three seed, right? Yes. Th- think about think about either that one, Jake, or they have the eleventh best odds to win the championship. And did you say the Nuggets have the fifth or the sixth best odds? The Nuggets are the fifth. When is the last time the number one seed in the West had the fifth best yeah. odds to win it all? So that is put ten dollars to win one hundred on mm-hmm. the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. So there's some value. But there. doesn't it feel like though deep down you're like, oh man, that's great. And then you're like, I can't put that on the well, Denver Nuggets. And this right? is a storyline that we have brought up prior, and it was a reason why I was always just a little hesitant about the DeAndre Ayton offer sheet. Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert, um, yeah, even Ayton. You know, big guys in the league, they just don't take their teams on deep playoff runs. And will that change, in particular Embiid and Jokic, of course, this season? I'm giving you guys each $10. Who would you put that $10 on? It has to be one team? One team to win the championship of the odds I just gave you. Which one do you feel the most confident in? Or which one do you want the most value in? Boston. I know it's not going to pay me as much, but yeah, I really want the Kings to win this series, but the Warriors at eight fifty. Yeah, I mean, you don't usually see those odds for the Warriors. How about you, Mark? I think I'm going Warriors with you as well. Although the Kings is really intriguing, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if they're going to win the NBA championship, but at plus five thousand to now be. Let me ask you this: Which is seed? correct? The Kings is really intriguing, or the Kings are really intriguing? The Kings, is, I don't know. My English ain't so the, good. Well, the wager of the Kings is intriguing. It's like plural the with group themselves EPL teams. are intriguing. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That that drives me nuts. Is by the way, Chelsea and R or an is like it's Manchester City. I, I know. Do you want to know what happened? By the way, and no, Ted Lasso. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, when are you going to watch it? On the plane. Okay. Unless some occult member. I have a paper to write. Talks to you again. I have a paper to write today on. How I feel my degree will now be able to help me in my job search for a career. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Let me know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to edit that. When I grow up, I want to be a fireman. Is that what you're going to say? Or Pretty much. Well, actually, my in two, 10 years, I plan to do this. No, my, my two dream jobs, aside from the one that I have, over the road trucker, 
Mm-hmm. Although now I think I'm getting to the age where it would bother my back too much. Um, That's the when other you get one, those beads that go on the back of your chair. <laughs> those are the sweet, rollers. aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you were say another job related <laughs> to beads. The, uh, the other thing that I think would, that I always thought would be cool would to move out to the middle of nowhere like in Wyoming or Montana – the problem is there aren't enough people around to sustain this, but I would like to open an IGA grocery store and just be a local grocer and just stock the store with what the people want. Oh, there's there's Sally. She loves the olives, and there you go, and there's oh, Bill. Tomatoes are loves, coming in beautiful this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I always like the uh, Safeway. I know you and I have crossed paths in there before, Jake, up there at 56 in Illinois. Um, kind of got a local grocer feel to it. The... Uh, the Safeway does have that low. That's exactly right. That's exactly what it is, right? Uh, so. Pat points this out on that Knicks-Cavs series. The Knicks also passed on Donovan Mitchell in the draft and took Frank Nicotina. Do you remember that name? I do not. Mm-mm. It's probably not a good thing. Do you remember – by the way, speaking of, of names like that from the NBA, do you remember – it would probably be the like the first half of the 2000 2010 like 2005 2006 there was a run there for about 3 years where european players were the, all the vogue in the draft and i mean it was just nonstop guys that never panned out nikolai skidavili and frederick Weiss and darko darko um who was the one that, that goga <laughs> There was one Mark, that had like his girlfriend there. People were like, with "Oh the my magic gosh!" This year, how did Goga's magic stint go? Let's find out. Did they not do a tribute video when the Magic came back to play the Pacers for Goga? They could have played the the highlight of him fighting the coach that one game. Goga uh, averaged four point four points, three point six rebounds, one assist, and was fifty five point two percent field goal. Percent. How many minutes per game? Uh, let's see. Is that enough at his size? To just continue to last at the end of rosters. I mean, I guess every team probably has a third center. He had a career high in average minutes, 15 minutes per game. I mean, maybe as a third center, you know, a third point guard, a third center, but now won't they just find the next Goga? Since since we're talking about players of which we both routinely obsess, I'm going to check out the season in totality now for Romeo Langford because I was told at the midpoint of the season that the Spurs were actually kind of making phone calls, kicking the tires from other people to see if anybody would have an interest in Romeo Langford. And the market had just kind of dried up. He he was literally like their last selection on their roster. But again, he's only 23 years old. Romeo Langford on the season, seven points, 1.2 assists, shot 46% from the floor, he played in on for the year. He played in forty three games and averaged nineteen minutes a game. I mean, what's the contract situation? Yeah, I mean, he's on a first contract. He's got to be getting close, right? I, I just don't know what it is. I, you know, I know that Langford. Like in an interview process when he was coming out of Indiana, he was asked about what it was like in high school to, to have to, you know, the, how close he was to breaking the all-time Indiana high school scoring record. 
And he was like, yeah, I didn't even pay attention to it. He'll be a restricted free agent. And there's something commendable about that, but but I think there were a lot of teams that were like, and I, I don't think, I mean, by all account, he's a super nice young guy. I don't know anything about Romeo Langford as a person other than he seems to be a very nice young man. But it just feels like he doesn't have that like extra push and drive. Talent, for sure, but just doesn't have that mentality. What would you say about his contract, Mark? He's going to be a restricted free agent this offseason. This particular offseason? Qualifying yeah. offer, $7.7 million. You know, you, you wonder too, Jake, just how worn down he got with all of the hype. I mean, it was insane how much hype was around him. And again, we didn't even live in the New Albany bubble necessarily to where it was you know, 10 times what it looked you know, two hours away from up here in Indy. You wonder if that just wore him down at all. I mean, can you imagine what it was like even to be at IU for one year? Imagine what, like, the kids on his floor were like. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I saw people going goo over Tom Pritchard. <laughs> can you imagine what they were like for Romeo Langford? He did Romeo have a Langford? sweet dunk, right? He did. Big time dunk there. Uh, you know, just in hindsight, and, and I know that Pritchard I Pritchard was a out. Samson recruit. I, I still, like, in hindsight, and... and Part of it's Indiana, I get it. Part of it's part of it's kind of a a magic about this place. But the fact that when Romeo Langford was in high school, after high school games, grown adults would wait in line for extended periods of time in inclement weather to try to get his autograph to me is is weird, quite frankly. On the Purdue front of things, we will have uh, Ryan Walters joining us on Monday show, right, Mark? Correct. Yep. Um, so he'll talk. Not only a little bit about Purdue and his first spring there, but some Illinois-related draft prospects. Uh, we're also going to have Dana O'Neill on Monday's show. For those unfamiliar with Dana's work, she covers college basketball for The Athletic, and she got what I believe, Jake, is the first kind of public words we've heard from Matt Painter since the loss to Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, read that piece, and again, at this point, it's only words, but I do think Matt Painter has had a very much of a we need to make some changes. Yeah. We, we, in particular, in their not necessarily their personnel, but their style of play from the guard play, right? Yeah. I mean, he mentioned getting more athletic and how just different names on the front of the jersey, but small, quicker guards continue to get the best of them. And he understands fans and the frustration that they have and that, you know, when they've gotten to the month of March, um, especially recently, they've not got it done and gotten upset by, you know, certainly some mid-major teams. So, you also have uh, ESPN's Jordan Reed Monday. More Mock Draft Monday talk as well. So, so it's a busy show. Less than two weeks away. Mm-hmm. Who is the top NFL prospect for each of the three respective big schools in the area, Kevin? So Michael Mayer up in South Bend, the tight end. Um, some people believe he's the top tight end. Others think... You know, two or three, so a chance to go in round one for him. You know, Purdue. It's interesting since we've I know. had I, mo- more of these draft guys on. It's kind of gone away from Payne Durham, Aiden O'Connell, and it's gone a little bit more to Corey Trice, the cornerback. A lot of you know impressive measurables you like with Trice, and then even Charlie Jones. So I'll be really interested to see how that kind of plays out for Purdue. Trice. Jones, O'Connell, Durham, again, a really deep tight end group. And then at IU, I believe 
the linebacker Cam Jones. I thought Dane Brugler had him. If I'm not mistaken, I think he was ranked as the 15th best linebacker. In, um, um, he's relentless in the draft. Well, yeah, I would think Tom Allen probably has had that impression on him. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, Mark. He's relentless. Linebacker background. How does he say that? Well, he says it a couple different ways, but the third speaking, time is definitely the loudest. Speaking of IU football, oh, <laughs> sounds part Bobcat when he when, when he gets into that mode. Do we have that to compare to the Bobcat? Can we put some money down, by the way, on Michael Penix to win the Heisman? Well, or or at least be a Heisman finalist. Okay, that's probably a better call. I mean, here's the thing. It, seemingly, people think it's a slam dunk that Caleb Williams is going to win it. I, there's only one guy that's won it back-to-back, right? And other guys have attempted it, a lot of them. Penix is – I mean, the year he had last year was unbelievable. Michael Penix, second favorite for the Heisman Trophy winner at the moment. Second? Yeah. Wow, I did not think it'd be that but, high. Three-way tie. It's Caleb Williams is the front runner at plus 400. Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, and Jordan Travis, all three at plus 1,200. Drake May plus fifteen hundred, Sam Hartman plus fifteen hundred. Oh, that's though. Notre Dame, Sam Hartman. He's not even starting right now. It's Buckner. You're telling me Marvin Harrison Jr. is plus two thousand. How many plus guys? 2000, yep. How many players though that have won the Heisman in the last ten years were even in the front three front runners going into the season? I mean, Baker Mayfield. Were people like, oh, this guy's a, a Heisman front runner? Well, I think. I mean, I, I think Bryce Young was. I mean, Bryce Young. Okay, that's for sure. But there are oftentimes it's a guy that all of a sudden, unless you're at one of the blue blood programs, so I guess, you know, Caleb Williams would be one of those. But, like, you know, oftentimes it, it does, somebody just kind of has an unbelievable year out of, out of left field. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., last year, I mean, he's obviously a, a huge name, but did anybody expect that kind of production from him last year? When's the last time the Heisman's gone back to back? Is it? You mean for a player? Is it just Griffin? Griffin's the only one. Now Oklahoma's done it back to back with Mayfield and Kyler Murray. So that's what Caleb Williams is going for, right? Correct. I can tell you, as a matter of fact, one of my weird neuroticisms. The at one time I could tell you Archie Griffin won it back to back, and then um, Scotty's <laughs> elephant. <laughs> what out there? Well, we have um, a zoo exhibit Billy here on the Sims. Sixth floor. Billy Sims was trying to win it for a second straight year, and Charles White unseated him. Ty Detmer tried to win it for a second straight – or no. Uh, it, yeah, Ty Detmer tried to win it for a second straight year, and Desmond Howard unseated him. Um, there have been a couple since then, obviously. But Scotty Johnson just walked in and is paying tribute to history. Look at that. You got the Rays uni on. I do like some of these Rays uniforms. The ones they had on last night are great. Yeah. I like those. Tr- cool. Trisha Whitaker going to join us here in about 15. A freebie Friday on the pop quiz, so free Jiffy Lube oil change coming your way. 317-239-1070 on that. Uh, let's do a morning check down. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Well, we just mentioned it, so we might as well elaborate on it. The Tampa Bay Rays yesterday tying a mark for the modern baseball. What exactly defines as the modern era in baseball? It's like 1900. Yeah, 1901. Modern day. 
formation of the American League. As, uh, At some because, point, when does that Because 1902 on? was so much more modern than yeah. 1897, what right? Formation of the American League in 1901. Formation of the AL. Is okay. Continue. Formation like, of the AL. It'd help if I had my mic on. So uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, or the Tampa Rays, now 13-0, tying since the formation of the American League in 1901, the best start. Only two others have had that kind of a start. Extra, Matter extra, fact, read all about it when the modern day of baseball here. <laughs> nice. You got your little bag there? That's right. WDAE Radio, this is how it sounded last night when the Rays made history. Pulling very hard on that rope. There's a swing and a high drive into right center field. This should do it to his left. Manuel Margot is there. Would you believe 13-0 to start the year? The Tampa Bay Rays have swept the Boston Red Sox four in a row, and they tie a major league record by starting the new season. 13 wins in a row. They win it today 9-3 to and they head on the road trip incredibly still undefeated. I just think it's really cool we have a radio call that sounds like that on April 14th or April 13th. Yeah. Like that's fair. That's just fun for baseball. Especially when you're a Red fan. It is fan. cool. And, and they're kind of a fun franchise, right? Agreed. Like It's not like the Philadelphia Phillies or some team that's been around forever. It's kind of cool. And again, Trisha will obviously give us more insight, but this was not like, they were not, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, they were not like the AL East favorite entering the year. I mean, this is very, I that's right. you know, I, I, I don't think, they, they aren't plucky underdog typical Rays, but I don't think we thought this. I'll show my baseball naivete, and maybe this is a better question for Trisha. Are, are they led by super high offensive explosion or a, a, an elite staff? Well, or both? to be thirteen and zero, you got to do both. Yeah. I think they lead the league in ERA and in home runs. Fewest runs allowed, most runs scored. Fewest runs allowed and most runs scored. It's a pretty good well, formula. Eleven right? of your thirteen wins by at least four runs. That probably plays into it. Swoosh. Right, extra, the, extra, read all about it. McKinley falls off his horse. <laughs> the playing games tonight in the NBA. It'll begin at 7 o'clock. That'll be the Heat taking on the Bulls in Miami. Five-and-a-half point favorite there is Miami. Timberwolves and Thunder, five-and-a-half point favorites as well. The home team there in Minnesota. So T-Wolves and Heat, they both lost the other night. Both on the road. They get it done. I guess the Heat lost at home, didn't they? Yeah, T-Wolves lost in L.A. I'm going to say, okay, give me the, so it's. Heat and Bulls, T-Wolves and Thunder. I'll go Heat Thunder. I'll go with the meteorological duo, the Heat and Thunder. Mm, it's hell of a duo. I'll say Heat and, who are the Thunder playing? I'll take them. The T-Wolves. T-Wolves. Yeah, I'll take them. Yeah, Gobert back in the lineup. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. Daniel Snyder has sold the Washington Commanders six billion to Josh Harris, who owns the New Jersey Devils, Philadelphia 76ers. Um, other pieces of note from the weekend here, from a local standpoint, Jake is boarding a plane here this afternoon for Long Beach. So the guy that owns the Devils just bought another franchise from the Devil. Is that pretty much how it goes? You sound like Jim Irsay. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I think there's enough evidence there. He's you got know, the horns to, on his head. And, uh, <laughs> make a change, you Don't know. the devil, buddy. We're number one. We beat anybody. We're the devils. The devils. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the joy on DC radio today? Oh, my gosh. They got to be doing backflips, right? Playing cool in the gang all day. I mean, yeah. when the Colts played the Commanders earlier this year, it was right after those Ursay comments, and I did a couple of radio hits 
in in DC, and their joy over Jim Ursay was unbelievable. That is beautiful. Like honestly, Ursay needs to take the collection to DC for three shows, and it'd sell out instantaneously. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Uh, I don't. I don't know that we're playing cool in the gang here, but we're playing the pop quiz, and we're doing it next. It's Freebie Friday. Two three nine ten seventy. Kevin and raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I'm looking at it here. I think it's actually pretty doable. Yeah, I mean, number three, we probably said back in February, mid-February, right? On a Monday show? Yes, a matter of fact, I know we did because you gave out the hint of being stuck in the bathtub. By the way, last night, I, mean, I don't know about you, but you couldn't not, at least in my opinion, you couldn't not go out for a little patio beer. So we did Fat Dan's right there at 54th and Good College. Good place, yep. So we're sitting there looking out, and all of a sudden, five human beings on horses are, and we're talking good size horses, like Kentucky derby size horses, are moving their way down college in front of like where that fresh market is to the jazz uh, kitchen yats in in that direction waving uh, maybe a a small cheer or two and we are in awe any idea of what i was you know what it was no i don't i know that okay how about this like everybody in the restaurant was just kind of like whoa picture you know wave and what indianapolis professional athlete had a horse as a child and used it as transportation. Current Indianapolis athlete? Yes. Well, well, part of me wants to say Andrew Luck, but I know that's not current. I could just see Andrew Luck being like, yeah, I'm going to ride a horse around town to get to school. <laughs> um, I, I, Shaquille Leonard grew up on a farm. I don't know. George Hill. George Hill had a horse named Ropey that he used to ride. From park it on Broad Ripple Avenue like and then go into school. Yeah, or like he would, he rode it like through the city as a kid. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it was George Hill last night, but yeah, if anyone has any ideas of what I was witnessing, the Indianapolis let us know Equestrian Club. But at that part of town, yeah, I mean, who knows, right? But yeah, what a great night last night. It's been a great week for sure. Great week. Um, let's close it out. Hopefully with a five for five. Or and you say it's doable? I think it's doable. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jake, a number one. How many people were on the horse last night? Five. Uh, there were five individuals. Five horses. Five individuals. Okay, so we'll go with the number five. Drew. Drew. Hey, how's it going, fellas? Drew, it is going on this Friday, man. What's up with you? I don't know much. Actually, just pulling into work right now. Now, Drew, you, have you called the program before? Yeah, I've talked to you guys a couple times. Uh, work is what exactly? Uh, I work in. I work in. Am I allowed to say? Oh, you can say the the line of work that you're in. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Uh, just uh, pizza and broad ripple, you know. Oh, that's cool. Now, now are you uh, money laundering? Uh, which one, no, Drew? No, no, I'm a, I'm a, I work, I work at, I work at the, the local pizza shop in Broad Ripple. Now, which uh, one is it? There are a couple there. Which one? Uh, Basbo. Oh, outstanding. Jake's a huge yeah, fan. Yeah, I've, wor- I've worked there for 21 years now. I love. Great work, Drew. I love Basbo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Colleen Bowen yeah, is yeah. obsessed with Basbo. We always do that for her birthday. So, some great za, great location. Oh, it's the best. Drew, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, yeah. I like Rom also. Rom's my dude at Basbo. Oh, Rom. Yeah, I've, know, I've known him since I've worked there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Drew, I yeah, got nervous there guy. for a second. I thought you were doing something, you know, I don't know. Maybe you didn't want the feds to know about. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. Yeah, <laughs> all right. I, didn't, I, didn't know how the, I didn't know how the radio game works. I'm not. Uh, uh, Drew. I, I know the pizza game. <laughs> I appreciate the. We're in Peasantville in terms of radio That's world, right. so anything goes here. <laughs> Very much appreciate the fair courtesy enough, there, though, enough. but I will tell you, a wheat crust pepperoncini the best all right here we go question number one for you drew name two of the four teams that are involved in tonight's nba play-in elimination games there are two games that means four teams name two of them Uh, maybe the grizzlies and uh, the lakers how about two of them that are meteorologically named Does, this is kind of a little kick in the you-know-what, Jake. I feel like we've said this quite often throughout the show. I know Drew is on a different schedule than most, but... Yeah, no, I uh, I, I heard him say it earlier. I thought I was like, oh... What after after lightning, you hear this, and sometimes oh, lightning... Thunder. Okay, and it's sometimes thunder. lightning can be known as this, blank lightning. Yeah... Like you look up and you're like, it's not even raining outside. I, I swear I just saw Victor lightning. Victor Oladipo and- plays for him. <laughs> oh, Orlando Magic? No. Oh, wait, no. That's Dwayne Wade. Oh. Okay. All right, Drew. Number two. Oh, the Miami Heat? There we go. All right, there. Let's edit out. Mark, can you edit out the last 90 seconds? Sure. Okay. All right, Drew. Number two. The Rays are 13-0. and That's the Tampa Bay Rays with their win over the Red Sox yesterday. Tying the modern major league record for best start. What is the Rays franchise record for longest winning streak at any point in a season? Is it 13 games, 14, 15, or 16? I'm going to go with 13. Smart. Okay. Uh, Drew, on this date in 1910, the very first time a president threw out a first pitch at a baseball game happened. Who was the president that did it on April 14th of 1910? Was it Teddy Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, William McKinley, or William Howard Taft? I'm going to go with Roosevelt. Okay. You sure? Uh, Fat guy got stuck in a bathtub. Uh, Taft? Doesn't okay. Taft just sound like, yeah, I played nose guard for four years in the Big yeah. Ten. And, yeah, I just got drafted by the Steelers. Speaking of Pittsburgh, number four here, Drew, the Penguin streak of reaching the NHL playoffs for 16 straight seasons came to an end on Wednesday night when the Islanders clinched the final playoff spot. The 16-season streak was the longest active streak in the four major North American pro sport leagues. Which team now has the longest active streak of reaching the playoffs? Is it A, the Dodgers, B, the Chiefs, C, the Boston Bruins, or D, the Boston Celtics? I'll say the Celtics. 
All right. Last one for you, Drew. Where'd you go to high school, Drew? Uh, Cardinal Ritter. Okay. Uh, last question for you here. 55 years ago today, the current Madison Great School race day parking at Ritter High School. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh, 55 years ago today, the current Madison Square Garden in New York City hosted its first NBA game as the Knicks beat the Rockets. It was the Rockets' inaugural season. Where was the franchise located? A, it was the Houston Rockets, B, the San Diego Rockets, C, the Denver Rockets, or D, the Buffalo Rockets? I'm going to go with the Houston Rockets. I have always found this amazing that Houston, which is the home of NASA's basketball team, is named the Rockets, but they actually began in San Diego and were named that because the owner was part of a business, I believe, that made rocket heads in San Diego. Really? Yep. True story. Uh, question number one. Boy, was that a battle? Took a while, but Drew got there with the Heat and the Thunder. Yes! Drew got two right. 13-game winning streak, longest in franchise that history as well. Correct. Uh, it was Bob Taft or William Taft. Bill. Bill Let's Taft. Go! Not Bob. I've got Bob on my mind for other reasons. Uh, uh, the longest streak of active streak of reaching the playoffs of the four major leagues. Not the Celtics. The Dodgers of 10 seasons. Celtics are nine. Obviously, San Diego for the Rockets. Stay on the line, Drew. You don't get to come back tomorrow. Uh, History in Tampa and Trisha Whitaker, who does sidelines for their television broadcasts, will join us next. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. So the question now becomes, can the Rays set themselves apart from Major League Baseball history by starting out 14 and oh, a remarkable start for the franchise who has been to two World Series, has yet to win one, but maybe this is the year. Joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, our next guest needs no introduction in Indianapolis because of her time here. Not only as a native of central Indiana, but of course, working in television before becoming the sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Rays broadcast. Trisha Whitaker joins us. Uh, Trisha, a little bit of a fun run here for you to start the baseball season. Yeah, I'd say fun is an understatement, guys. It's been awesome. I mean, we knew the Rays were going to be a lot better, and we knew their lineup was going to be a lot better this year with everybody fully healthy. But I don't think anybody in their right mind would have predicted 13-0. So it's, it's, it's been such a fun ride. Trisha, good, good morning to you. Um, I do feel a little bit bad for you because, I mean, it's awesome that you are on Apple TV, these MLB games. Is this the second year you've done Apple TV? I knew you were going to bring this up. Yes, it is the second year I've done Apple TV. I know. I, I'm sorry to go there, but you're not going to be in Toronto tonight no. for one of the cooler events you could ever come across in your you know, broadcasting career. Yeah, I'm a little bit, uh, got a little bit of FOMO for that. Um, but I do love doing Apple TV. So, you know, it's all worth it in the end. Doing it every Friday night has been really, really fun. Last week we had Braves Padres. Next week we got a big one in Braves Astros. And then the week after that, 
we've got Phillies, Astros, and Houston. So we've got some amazing matchups coming up. But you're right, I have a lot of FOMO not being with the Rays right now as they go for this record. That would be incredible. But I'm going to be cheering them on from afar and certainly keeping tabs on the games tonight because I am in Detroit. Right as I speak to you, I am standing outside in Detroit in the Motor City looking at uh, looking at the Tiger Stadium. So... <laughs> Now, you kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, but like, what were preseason expectations? You know, I, I feel like we fall into the trap sometimes with the Rays of it's like, oh, it's just plucky underdog. And then you look at the resume and it's like, wow, they actually have been pretty darn good here um, in, in really their history as a franchise. So, like, what were the goals coming into the year? Yeah, I mean, you could say underdog in terms of payroll, but you certainly can't say underdog in terms of talent. The goal this season was just to have that lineup fully healthy. You know what I mean? So when you think about last year and the Rays last year, last season their top hitters for months at a time were on the IL. They didn't have Brandon Lau all season long, basically. They didn't have Manuel Marco. I know a lot of people in Indiana might not know who I'm talking about, but they didn't have Harold Ramirez. They didn't have Wander Franco, one of the biggest stars, um, young stars in Major League Baseball. That's going to hurt a lineup when you're running out of AAA lineup for months at a time. I mean, what are you supposed to do um, when, when you come across luck like that? And this season, what we are seeing is a fully healthy lineup. And I know in the offseason, they didn't go out and get a left-handed bat or bolster their lineup like they you know, wanted to or talked about, but they they were pretty confident in the in the talent that they had returning from injury. When you get your top hitters back from injury and everybody is fully healthy, you are going to have a good team, and that's what we're seeing now with an amazing starting rotation. Uh, Trisha, to me, Trisha Whitaker is our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. The Rays remind me a little of like the '90s Braves, and then for the older crowd, I guess, before that, the Expos, and the fact that their scouting department clearly is really good. Is that off base for me to say? Because to be able to have this sustained level of competitiveness, you know, year in and year out for a decade or so, or even more so, you've got to be able to just keep replenishing. And it seems as though Tampa does that. Is this predominantly homegrown talent? Yeah, a lot of it is homegrown talent, but some of it is via trade. I mean, Manuel Margot came over from the Padres, and, you know, Tyler Glass now came over from the Pirates. Drew Rasmussen came over from the Brewers. But but you're not wrong in saying that we, we like to call them the nerd herd. You know, they kind of sit up there in their offices, and they crunch numbers, and none of us really have any idea how they do it because they just kind of keep it. They keep it under wraps. Um, and I always make this comparison, and I'm not saying it's exactly the same at all because the process is a lot different than you might see it on the big screen in a movie. But when you think of the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, that is, it reminds you a little bit of the Rays, right? They, they throw analytics at you, and at first you're kind of like, what in the hell are you talking about, right? You're like, how, how is this going to work? What are you saying? But it works, um, and they make it work because they crunch the numbers. They have incredible scouts, um, and, and they know what they have to do being the lowest payroll in baseball, right? They're, they're, you, you do have a, have a ceiling there with what you can do in terms of bringing you know, big bats in and stuff like that. So they do what they need to do, um, and they find talent where other people might not find it. She's on Bally Sports tonight. It'll be Apple TV, but Bally Sports usually with the Tampa Bay Rays. She is Trisha Whitaker. She's with us here on the Payless 
uh, Liquors Hotline. Patricia, you and I were still, you know, early years at IU when this was going on, but obviously the Colts' undefeated season in 2009 got a ton of attention, and what happened when they rested the starters got a lot of attention and is still being talked about to this day. I get that it's mid-April. I get that it's a totally different sport, but baseball players strike me as very superstitious. Do players like or enjoy addressing the elephant of the room of what could happen tonight? Not this team. Um, I They are aware of it, um, but they're not going to obsess over it because here's the thing, guys. In all reality, records are amazing. A Major League Baseball record would be amazing. But it doesn't matter when it's October. It doesn't. I mean, it, it's, it is amazing, and I want them to make history, but you could make history during the regular season and then fizzle out in October. So they can't get too obsessed with this record, right? If they lose tonight, it's, it's still an amazing feat. 13-0 is an incredible feat. So their eyes are a lot more on the rest of the season than it is tonight. They are proud of what they have done. But if you don't perform well near the end of the season and in October, it means absolutely nothing. So I think that's their mentality right now. I mean, the Braves team that did it didn't even make the playoffs in the season in which they did. Exactly. Or no, was it the the Braves or the Brewers? The Brewers didn't make the playoffs. But yeah, one of the two didn't make the playoffs. Um, Trisha, by the way, the new Tiger Stadium, underappreciated. Kind of underrated, I think. Yeah, you know, I actually did a traveling segment there a couple of years ago. They've got like a big carousel in there. They've got um, all sorts of stuff. It's it's pretty cool. I really enjoy the Tiger Stadium. Downtown Detroit, well, it, it needs a little work. But the Tiger Stadium, it, it's a cool stadium, and, um, and, and I do enjoy going to that stadium. Trisha, obviously the new rule changes, the quicker pace of the games, getting a lot of attention, and fans, you know, love it. I, I am thinking, and this is maybe me putting too much of my – you know, Trisha work cap on. Is it more difficult though for you? Like I would think the innings are a little bit shorter. If they're throwing to you, they would have to get to you probably earlier, like with, you know, no outs or one out. How has that played out? Oh yeah. I got to be a lot quicker with my stories. That's for sure. Um, you've got about 10 seconds when you get back from break to, to get a story in. And then in between batters, you don't have a lot of time either, but it's, it's okay because it keeps the pace going. And it challenges me as a reporter to get my words out quickly and summarize it concisely yet informatively, right? So that's the biggest challenge for me, I think, is telling the guy's stories the right way, but making sure that it fits in the broadcast and the pace of the game keeps moving. So it definitely is hard, but oh my word, all hail the pitch clock. We love the pitch clock. It is just the best thing ever. We uh, the games are so much shorter, but they're but they're not suffering. You know, the the quality of the game isn't suffering. The offense isn't suffering. Defense is it's not suffering at all. So I love the pitch clock, even if that means I have to get my words out a lot quicker. Do you think players have totally adjusted already to it? And then the second part of the question would be: Do you think the pitch clock has been a bigger adjustment for pitcher or hitter? One hundred percent for the hitter. It is advantage pitcher, disadvantage hitter. Um, and, and I do think they have adjusted. The majority of the guys that I talk to on all teams, not just the Rays, the majority of the hitters I talk to, they generally will be like, you know, we don't love it, but we understand it. Um, and the guys who are still saying we need to add at least a few seconds on, some guys are being like, oh, 20 seconds. Okay, fine, but the game hasn't suffered. And the game has to continue to evolve. If you want people 
to stay interested in baseball, it has to continue to evolve. And this is a very good rule change for baseball. Um, and, and we've seen the game move at a quicker pace. And you know what our play-by-play, or I'm sorry, our color analyst on our broadcast the other day pointed out. He said, I'm looking around the stadium, and there's not as many people staring at their phones anymore. People are, are paying attention to every single pitch because the game moves at such a fast pace. And that's good for the game. And I understand baseball purists don't want to see things change. I do understand that. But sometimes change is for the better. And in this case, it's been for the better. The game hasn't suffered. It is advantage pitcher. But I think the hitters have adjusted. How does tonight work for you? Are you going like watch the Rays game on the phone, iPad? I, I mean, you got to multitask a little here, right? Oh, 100%. I got my iPad all set up in the uh, camera well right by the Tigers dugout, and I'm going to keep tabs on it, and I'm going to make sure I know what's going on the entire time while still trying to tell the stories of the Giants and the Tigers tonight in our game on Apple TV. But you guys better bet I'm going to be keeping tabs on it. <laughs> Watch the hot mic there. If, you know, Rosarena double scores a couple runs there, you want to make sure that uh, well, they- <laughs> keep that quiet. And that's the thing. They will. My producer with Apple TV is so great. We always give little updates from the studio from around the league during the game. And last week when the Rays were playing on Friday night and they were winning by, I don't even remember how much, but they were beaten, beaten up on the uh, athletics. They, they let me come on and do a report on it. <laughs> so that's, that's, that makes it fun for me that I'm able to kind of interject into the broadcast and talk about the Rays a little bit. It's been an amazing story. Um, you got to be thrilled that you are a part of it. Good luck tonight away from home, but um, I, I know you're able to stop. I was listening to you yesterday, able to stop in Bloomington this weekend, so good to see some uh, of your family. And enjoy the run. Pretty special story and been fun to follow from afar. So thank you, Tricia. Oh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. It's Trisha Whitaker right there on the Payless Liquors pretty cool. hotline. 14-0. That will be the modern-day baseball record if the Rays can get it done tonight. Jake, safe travels. Enjoy Thank you. Long Beach. And You guys are looking so forward to sleep deprivation Monday. People could pray for us for Monday. That would be great. <laughs> Should I bring a six-pack of PBR just because? Mm-hmm. Just assume yeah, we why need not? it. Smart. The Smart. Hell? We need no reason for that. Been it's a fun not for you. It's for me and Kevin. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, been a fun week. Thank you to so many of our guests, Bob Costas, Gene Katie, Trisha Whitaker, Greg Rakestraw, the whole group. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.